Xbox On. Hey everybody, welcome to Xbox On. It's me, Jesse, the host. Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. If you've listened to the show in the past, you know that last episode of the year, every year is our favorite games of the year. Not necessarily a game of the year discussion, but a time for us to sit back, reflect on just the games we've played this year, whether it's a game that came out this year, an Xbox game, something else, just to kind of celebrate our favorite games that we experienced um, throughout the year. And so that's what we'll be doing today. Not, we're not going to have the traditional opening and segments. Uh, we're going to do some little fun and loose since it is the very end of the year. Why not celebrate with something a little different? And uh, joining me to do this this year, well, first of all, we got all of you guys joining me because I've been asking the past couple of weeks for you guys to write in. Let me know what your favorite games you enjoyed this past year were. And uh, a lot of you guys did write in. So thank you for that participation. We'll definitely be going through that today. Um, but also joining me, I have a special guest here in, in person via uh, the Internet. And Hunter, why don't you come ahead and introduce yourself? His name is Hunter. I never know if I'm supposed to use the last name on the internet. I don't know if like you're afraid of me saying your last name, like someone's going to no, track, not, track you down. Not or... really, because, you know, it's just one of those things when you've been podcasting as long as I have, it just comes up and you're like, okay, that's fine, whatever. I'm, you know, you can find me if you search for me, but I've done a pretty good job of, you know, covering my tracks. I've knocked down the rock towers that the, the natives have built locating my position. <laughs> um, so, yes, Jesse, this is not the first time you and I have done this, just in case people... Uh, didn't didn't check out last time you and I got to do this together. Yeah, so we did this together last time. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, we we got off topic a little bit. We went through our video games and we talked about just some other things reflected on general entertainment and stupid stuff uh, surrounding 2022. And so I figured, you know, why not do it again for 2023? It was such a great time last time. Rather than use my brain and come up with a new idea, why don't I just do the thing that was so much fun last year all over again? So thank you for deciding to join me again in this. Dude, I think these types of episodes are not only so much fun to listen to. Well, they're super fun for me to uh, participate in. First of all, I'm honored to be invited back. I know that you've had a couple of returning guests, but you also equally like getting new voices on the show. So I was actually thinking I was like, you know, maybe two weeks before you asked if I could come on and, and do this again with you. I was like, oh, man, I had a really good time with uh, Jesse talking about our favorite games of last year. I, I just genuinely had so much fun and i was sitting there i'm like oh man i can't wait to listen to this year's episode but you know what if he asked i would be happy to hop in again and you son of a gun here you are again <laughs> in my dms you you swiped right or left or, or whatever the kids do I, uh, I, I actually don't know the direction <laughs> um but yes yeah there's so much to talk about this year because this was a really fun year as far as video games that i got to play a, a good diversity of things i didn't entirely hold up my promise that I had set in place last year where I was like hey you know I'm gonna I'm gonna free up and stop playing the the junky junk food video games and, and actually dedicate myself to multi-hour narrative adventures like I still haven't played Assassin's Creed Valhalla which I think I made that a mission <laughs> last year and i'm i am actually working my way through red dead redemption 2 finally oh, don't hey. have to talk about that right now but yeah it has been sitting i paid full price for it what was it like the 70 bucks on launch day five years ago and i'm finally actually making some headway in it so um but yeah yeah, yeah. so so much of that um anyways all that aside dude i'm just excited because i had a lot of fun playing games this year that's awesome man i just as a side note 
I'm so jealous that you're playing Red Dead Redemption 2 for the first time because I would I would pay good money to wipe that experience from my brain just to have it again. Um, so I'm very curious to see what you think about it once uh, once you finish it up. Uh, so definitely get back with me on that. But um, yeah, there's this is a be... there's a little wrench in my plan playing through it right now. And that oh. is a uh, that is a thing called a Fortnite festival. And I never thought oh I God. would have downloaded Fortnite onto my console. No, no offense. I was just like, oh, that's the thing that my four cousins between the ages of eight to 14 talk about. I don't necessarily, I feel, I felt like I was too old for Fortnite, but then they're like, hey, you rock band guitar hero loving son of a bitch. Boy, do we have something for you. And uh, man, I, uh, you know, I downloaded it and I played it and I'm like, really good at this so it's been occupying more time than i would like to say but look dude at fortnite uh, you don't get it until you get it as soon as you you're playing bad romance by lady gaga and you got peter griffin on vocals optimus <laughs> prime on bass me as han solo on drums and then michael myers on guitar like it's game over everything clicks and you're you know that that danny devito meme where he's like oh, i get it now that was me with fortnite festival I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it. I heard um yeah, I thought initially you were telling me that it might be a little uh a little too simplistic. So I I'm guessing maybe you spent a little more time with it and it kind of opened up in some way that you're able to get I a little more out of it. I am just so desperate because rhythm games are the only ones that I am halfway decent at. Not the dancing games. Like I can't play just dance or whatever to save my life. For those but... listening at home, this man is lying through his teeth. He, have a sh- he has a shelf of every copy of Just Dance for Nintendo <laughs> just, Wii. I, I am like uh, Scott the Waz. I have like 36 <laughs> copies of Just Dance 2014 or whatever for the <laughs> Wii U. Um, <laughs> no, seriously though, I just, I am so desperate for that style of rhythm gaming you know i have a modded 360 with all my rock band songs on it i have rock band 4 for the xbox series x slash one um so yes it just whenever i can get into that that mind space i am more than happy to do so so shout out to harmonics you you (laughs) pulled me back out again yeah it's it's funny you say that because i was listening to my my fate the only other video game well sorry the only video game podcast i listened to uh, because I don't want to like influence my opinions too much on video games, but I can't help myself because uh, Sacred Symbols, Colin Moriarty's Sacred Symbols podcast is just, uh, he's my favorite podcast. Host. I just love listening to anything he does, but that's not the point. I was listening to his PlayStation show, Sacred Symbols, last week, and they were talking about this game in particular. And uh, they said something that kind of hurt me a little bit where um, they, they were like, you know, you think about it, enough time has passed between like the heyday of rock band Guitar Hero till now where Fortnite Festival is kind of becoming a thing that there's a whole generation of kids right now who like they know of Guitar Hero, they know of rock band, but this is their first time interfacing with this this genre of video game. And uh, yeah, they, they're not going to know what it was like to battle Slash and the devil in Guitar Hero 3, but they will know what it was like to have Peter Griffin <laughs> sing Maroon 5 like on that TikTok video you sent me. So it, I don't know, that's just it's kind of mind blowing to think that enough time has elapsed that this is going to be like an entirely new experience because no one has been there serving any market for, you know, for this genre. But thankfully, Fortnite's here to save the day. 
Yeah, and I mean, look, if this is the thing where if Microsoft is looking at the numbers and they're like, well, Activision, like, I think Guitar Hero would be a pretty neat exclusive for them to grab. And I don't know, like, they would want as much cross-platform appeal, so I don't think they'll go the exclusive route with it. That no. said, though, I will just... Any sort of rhythm gaming, like I said, I am more than happy to check it out. I just need way more songs. I am so tired of playing Gangnam Style 10 yep. years after the fact, you know, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> throw me a bone here. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely I don't want to talk about Fortnite Festival. Yeah, anymore. let's sorry, move on. I, I, I did just want to say, like, I don't I don't know what I feel like it's such a rock and a hard place with that genre, because I think Xbox probably does look at look at guitar hero as an ip that's totally worth exploring but like i just feel like music has moved on past like hey remember guitars and drums like i just is there room for that even anymore like in the in popular culture i just that's that's the only, i don't know yeah I it's, it's tough because them. like you look at the selections and the stuff and you know like for for this hey, we're diving back into Fortnite festival like they're like who can we get who's like a big star and like it's centered around the weekend right like the weekend's music he's got like three songs in there oh, really? he's a playable character so you can go headshot the weekend if you've got a vendetta on the battle royale <laughs> map but you know other other than that you can unlock blinding lights and uh take my breath and like those tracks as playable songs in there and um you know it's funny i guess the reason i bring it up is even the guitar sections. So all the instruments are played like the guitar instrument was in Guitar Hero Rock Band. You have five buttons. It's mapped to the controller. Supposedly there's a guitar coming on down the line. We'll see what's coming down with that. Um, but even the vocals, you know, you like tap, 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 tap. But a lot of the songs on there, your character will actually be playing like a synthesizer or a keytar instead. So to your point, um, you know, guitar music isn't always at the forefront of things anymore even at rock band four who's continuing to drop uh dlc and music like two songs a week which is pretty cool they're actually dropping a lot of the emo indie pop punk bands that i listen to in the scene still so like it you know when you boot it up it's like oh who's new in rock band four it's not you know it's not the grateful dead it's not led zeppelin it's not that sort of stuff right. it's like oh uh sleep tokens in the game now that's cool oh uh yeah. ben quads in here hot mulligan got dropped in here um yeah. that sort of thing so yeah guitar music is becoming not not niche but you know it's only within certain genres but right. you know that, that's i'm sorry whatever it's my podcast we can fuck it up all we want but that's the that's the thing i just i'm like what it, because like in 2008 it was so perfect when they did guitar and rock band because it was like you know like you had like crush 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 by paramore and like people were into paramore at that time and paramore was making like rock music and then you had some more like timeless classic like rock stuff that was you know everyone was always up for like some led zeppelin or whatever and then you had like i don't know there's just there's more contemporary rock like lincoln park it's like okay yeah we love lincoln park weezer yeah we love weezer but like they do some like hot mulligan i'm like that's great for people like you and me but like that's not you can't market that that's not sexy and you can't yeah. and you can't yeah. take like I don't know who's who's a, I almost said Katy Perry. I'm like, I don't think she's really that relevant today. It's like, I don't know. You can't take freaking like Doja Cat and be like, here you guys go. Guitar Hero 5. And uh, I, I think that's that's the void that Fortnite Festival fills in because it's like it doesn't really matter what the instrument is. We're just going to chart yeah. whatever we can play. And then even Rock Band got a little funny with it, even during the height. You know, you mentioned 2008. That's when they dropped if I remember correctly, the Gorillas DLC for Rock Band 2. So you were playing like 
a whistle flute and a harmonica on the guitar <laughs> controller and you're like okay great i'm loving this um so they do have ways to get around it i will say i think they're in an it's been long enough where they can revisit the catalog like yes classic rock oh, yeah. music is kind of in a weird spot i don't know if it's more popular less popular whatever um but like it's been long enough since rock band four and especially guitar hero um because a lot of people kind of forget guitar hero live even dropped for a lot of people warriors of rock was the last one um it's been long enough where they can revisit a lot of the the stalwarts like the classic artists they can drop guns and roses and acdc and iron maiden and all that stuff and yeah. i think even though it's been released before people will still be excited because they just have a new way to play those songs. That's um, actually a good point. It should yeah, just be they're, like a, they're a classics. They've stuck around forever. Um, it is in a weird position for somebody like me where they moved their DLC from the Xbox 360 to the Xbox one to the Xbox series X. It's like, Oh, I already own all these songs. So how are you making any money off me? But you know, I, I, I just think that's that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to revisit a lot of the classic guitar music and just put it back in. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really considered that, um, man. I, I just I just hope they figure it out because that's that's a genre. I'm definitely I'm like, I'm always waiting for it to come back. But every day it seems less and less likely. But it's I don't know, whatever. It's cool. If even if it's not the guitar hero I grew up loving, if if Fortnite can bring that genre back in some way, that's that's way better than nothing. And I, I respect and appreciate them for that. So thank you, our Fortnite overlords at Epic Games. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. All right, so let's uh, let's get into the actual topic at hand. Um, and just as a side note, today's episode is sponsored by Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite, build it beautiful. I think that Squarespace's uh, slogan works quite well for Fortnite. Let's see. So let me just do a quick rundown. Hunter, I'm sorry, this is going to be a little redundant for you because I just uh, kind of ran through this with you. But for everyone listening, just to kind of prep you on how we're going to do this. So Hunter and I both have come to the table with five of our favorite games we played in 2023. And again, just to reiterate, the rule is not that it has to be a game released in 2023. And even though this is an Xbox podcast, it does not have to be an Xbox game. If your favorite game you played this year was Laser Suit Larry on the PlayStation 2 or even something scandalous and disgusting like Legend of Zelda for Nintendo Switch, um, you're still welcome to put that on your list because, you know, good a good game is a good game, damn it. So we'll go through one by one. You know, he'll do number five. I'll do number five and down the list until we get to our favorite games of the year. We'll also throw in some honorable mentions at the top. And then after that, we'll turn to you, the audience, where you guys are written in with your favorite games of the year. We'll go through those. And then at the end, we're going to tally all the games that reappeared on lists throughout the uh, throughout the segment and to determine what was the community voted best game or, or most beloved game of 2023, um, just based on the number of people who, who mentioned it repeatedly. So I think this should be fun. It worked last year. I don't see why it wouldn't work this year. So physics haven't changed. So Hunter, how would you like to cut um, cut us off? How would you like to start us off by uh, dropping a couple honorable mentions uh, to kind of, you know, a little palate cleanser, something to kind of get us going? Yeah, man, I asked you to drop this first because my I've decided to dedicate not my honorable mentions uh, to this section. I'm doing a little switcheroo on you here. I'm calling this section games I wanted to play but haven't had the time or the money to dive into yet. So join me here. <laughs> okay. Two of them, two of them I actually own. Uh, one of them is on my radar, but I haven't been able to play it yet. So 
Um, do you want me to just hit all three back to back and then I'll hear your three or yeah, yeah. however many you yeah, got? Go, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, number three is a game that I was very, very excited for because I've never played it, but I know it's an absolute classic and it's regarded very highly. I saw the trailers and I was like, Ooh, I can't wait for that. That looks awesome. And growing up, I was a big fan of the Mario and Luigi RPG series uh, for the Game Boy Advance. And then it went on to the DS. Bowser's Inside Story, fantastic, like 10 out of 10 game. I love Superstar Saga. Um, uh, Partners in Time wasn't as good. But, you know, uh, anyways, I've always wanted to visit the inspiration for those games. So, of course, I'm talking about the Super Mario RPG remake. It is sitting on my shelf. I have installed the update. It is sitting on my Switch. I can't wait to actually play this thing. And if I reach a point with Red Dead Redemption, that's part of the reason I haven't touched it yet. I'm trying to get through, if I can make it through Fortnite Festival, I'm trying to make it through Red Dead Redemption before I start another RPG. I know this is a shorter one. It's probably only like 12 to 15 hours. I know there's post-game content, but I am so very excited to check this out. As, uh, like I said, I just know it's an absolute classic a lot of people regard it as a masterpiece uh good friend of the show on grim grinning host uh slash sometimes co-host uh gary got him this game for christmas and he tore through it over a weekend and he said it was one of the highlights of his gaming year so i just i can't wait to play that one yeah that's yeah that's such a that was kind of a feel-good story because I, i feel like especially back when i was more into nintendo that was one that people had been begging for a remake or just a port of that game for so long I think I guess the Wii Virtual Console did have uh, a way to play it. But, you know, like people wanted like a really contemporary, accessible way to play it. And so it was cool to not only see that it happened, but that the team, I guess Square Enix had a a team kind of do the port. It wasn't even Nintendo directly, but um, well, it was a Square Enix developed game initially anyway. Right. Yeah. But apparently it turned out really, really well. And it's like just with it being such a crowd year, unfortunately, it didn't get more noise. But um, it it does seem like critically, at least people are really, really happy with how it turned out. Yeah, and look, it'll have its sort of companion, not quite, but you'll understand what I'm saying here. I never played Thousand Year Door either, which is supposedly coming next oh, that's, year. That's apparently um, the best one. Yeah, so I, once again, Mario RPGs, I've always enjoyed them, uh, but I've never had a chance to go back this. And even though I, uh, you know, I was day one for a SNES classic, so it's been sitting there, the original version on my SNES classic. I've just never oh, yeah. sat down to play it. This seems like the perfect way to do it, and I can't wait to finally get the opportunity sometime early next year. Cool. That's a good pick. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell us about some of your other on- honorable mentions or... Uh games on your list there the one i have not spent the money on yet despite me really wanting to check it out is avatar frontiers of pandora Mm. jesse you and i big theme park geeks and that ties into this a lot we both really enjoyed uh way of water last year we talked a lot about way of water even into this year so this is one that was sort of on my radar but also one that i was just kind of I guess cautiously interested in. I'm like, I don't know, you know, this big open world Ubisoft game. I don't really, you know, let, let's see how it comes out. And the fact that most people are like, hey, this is a really solid, fun game has me excited to check it out. And really, the only reason I have not put the money down for it is because by May, this thing will be 
sixty dollars yeah. for the gold edition or you yeah. know even twenty bucks for the base edition so i'm just waiting it out because i've already seen some price drops you were able to get it from amazon um with a coupon for like 35 dollars. but i always hold out with these ubisoft uh, just to get the the big edition that includes everything, even though I never play through all of it. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just waiting for the right price, and then I will be checking out Pandora in the virtual format. Yeah, that's a really good one. I, I have that. Um, that's high up on my list. That's like number three on my list of like games I would like to buy. But yeah, same thing. I just know. I don't even think you have to wait till May. Honestly, man, I think <laughs> you might see January or February. You can get at least the standard version for like. Yeah. Yeah. And and once again, I know it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, but the DLC is not even out. Just buy what you want, buy what you want. And it's like, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait up. I'm going to buy the full edition and be done with it. It'll be on sale enough. I have too big of a backlog. Not going to stress about it. I'll get to it when I get to it, but I am looking forward to playing it. Yeah. It definitely looks like a very, very stunning world. Even if it, even if the game is a little derivative, that doesn't matter. The, it looks like a fun place to play around in for 15, 20 hours. So. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I just want to run around and explore this world and uh, really just enjoy some of the the uh, Far Cry isms that Ubisoft yeah. does so well. But yeah, I hope in the Pandora <laughs> universe, I hope they manage to squeeze in that like that. Um, you know, that obligatory Far Cry like drug mission where it's like Jake Sully, we need you to do all these uh, all these <laughs> Navi drugs. <laughs> uh, and then he stands up and he starts walking again and things yeah. are really weird. It's like, um, <laughs> I don't know. Stuck. You know, like this one, I feel like has kind of gotten forgotten uh, with the discourse. But one of my I mean, probably my favorite Far Cry was actually Primal. I really enjoyed Primal when I played it. Oh, oh my God. What was that? Eight years ago now? Uh, because yeah, I know it was like February of 2016. I just really enjoyed it because not because the gameplay was deep or the mission variety was varied or anything like that. I just wanted to play a Stone Age video survival game. And that's kind of how I feel about this one. I just want to play as a big blue alien with guns like that. That's all there is to it. Yeah, as long as I can uh, drink Night Blossoms like I can at Disney's Animal Kingdom, then I think this game will be a big hit. Poppin' Boba, baby. Yeah. Um, Jesse, my last one is one, and this is the big reason I wanted to make this the games I wanted to play but haven't played yet section is because people are going to ask where it is. Uh, I don't know if it's on your list. We did not discuss ahead of time. But with all the discussion around this game, I had to bring it up here. Uh, it is installed. It is ready for me to play. But once again, I am dedicated to finishing Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm talking about Baldur's Gate. I know very little about oh, yeah. it. I just know a lot of people are really high on it, and I'm looking forward to joining them. I want to I wanna drink the medieval Kool-Aid demon boobs or whatever this game's about i don't really know um but yes i am looking forward to checking out Baldur's gate when i finally get a chance yeah i was a little surprised how few people wrote in with Baldur's gate as one of their picks even at all let alone their top pick um i guess i do a good job of scaring off people <laughs> that don't think like me or something i don't know but uh yeah i mean it's just it, it, there's it's kind of impossible to ignore at this point it's like it's like elden ring if you're even remotely curious just about like what all the hubbub is about like you you, you kind of owe it to yourself to try it um that being said i am i am an old man who will never 
uh, who will never get out of his way. So I'm probably still not going to play it. But <laughs> for me, and I imagine a lot of Xbox players like your audience, um, it just dropped away too late for it to be a consideration. I do have a good friend and I believe a listener and maybe he even wrote in a uh, friend of the show, uh, Connor. He was really anticipating this and he was like, he dived headfirst like the day it was released. Um, he was telling me we went to actually go see uh, some of those pop punk bands we were talking about earlier. We went to go see Real Friends and Knuckle Puck play a show and he's just like, yeah, they're rumoring they're going to drop it at the Video Game Awards. I can't wait. And here we are with it. Yeah. being announced. And I, uh, yeah, I know it was one of his favorite experiences of the year. And I know a lot of people are really high on it. It just came out way too late for us Xbox people. If it was a summer game, it might have showed up on this list. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> did you see that thing where apparently they were supposed to. So it, it was revealed at the Game Awards, but it was kind of like uh, in the trailer that didn't really point out the fact that it was available. Oh, now. yeah, they completely dropped they the for, ball on that. They one. forgot to say <laughs> it's. On yeah. Xbox. Oh, my God. I mean, damn, I, I don't. I don't think that that game being on Xbox matters as much to them as it matters to Xbox. You know, I feel like it's like Microsoft was probably more eager to get Larian to get that game on their platform than it was the other way around. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like remembering that you left your three year old in the van after you've been in the grocery store for an hour. You're like, oh, I guess I got to go get that guy. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's kind of how Xbox is sometimes, like yeah. more so than anybody else. It's like, Bill. <laughs> it's like coming to PS4, PS5, and Nintendo Switch. Fuck you, Should Microsoft and Xbox. <laughs> uh, and once again, Microsoft is just strapped in the car seat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. And yeah, that's that's unfortunately where Baldur's Gate ended up. But yes, I am very much looking forward to it. Not because I'm a huge fantasy nerd or a uh, even like D&D minded or anything like that. It just seems like a really cool gameplay experience from the limited amount that I do know. And obviously the conversation around it is... Uh, I mean, all time high, like this was a huge, huge game. So, yep. I'm curious to see if you're going to marry the naked lizard lady or not, but probably um, not. I think, I think every time you've mentioned that game, I've said that to you and you're like, wow, I'm still not laughing after 75 <laughs> times. <laughs> I, just, I know so little about the game when it, when everyone started buzzing about it, when it first came out, I was like, let me look into this. You know, I've, I've, I've opened up my, like my, my taste in gaming so much over the past few years let me see and then like i watched i got like two seconds into like mr maddie plays review on the game i was like no i'm out not not for me yeah i know it's not your sort of thing <laughs> whatsoever and that's okay sometimes being a smart gamer means just knowing when something's not for you it doesn't right. mean you don't want to try things but you know yeah. why waste the money yeah but it's uh it nonetheless this game this game's success does make me very happy just to see like a, 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 studio, a studio like larian just be able to come out of absolutely the middle of nowhere and just and just capture everyone's attention all at once and just flip the script and the narrative on basically everything that was this year, you know, um, just all, all, all overnight. Because, I mean, going into this year, everyone knew it was going to be a crazy year and the obvious contenders were, you know, like Starfield and Spider-Man and all that. And then Larian was able to just come out of nowhere and be like, nope, fuck you, it's Baldur's Gate. <laughs> and yeah, that's and uh, even, it's good. Even Legend of Zelda, which like... 
talk about the big upset of the year is like tears of the kingdom. You know, it kind of celebrated an early victory this year where people like it's game of the year. It's already set. It's done. And I had my personal feelings on tears of the kingdom. It does not show up on my list here. Maybe we can talk about that, but really it's not important. But the point is that um, really good year for, uh, you know, just really well received critically um, games. And uh yeah, if Zelda got knocked off its pedestal, it was kind of the the Wild West this year, and it was really fun to see it all play out. Yeah. At the very least, it was comforting to see, not to say that Zelda's redundant. I didn't play Tears of the Kingdom, so I don't I don't really get to speak to this, but it was nice to see that a game that wasn't just like a you know, like a shoe-in necessarily was able to was able to kind of you know, get everyone's attention. And it just shows that as, as an industry, you know, gamers aren't so, aren't so lazy and resting on their laurels that it's just like, well, yeah, of course no one cared about, you know, the, you know, the, the dungeons and dragons game. They just, they just wanted more Zelda or more Spider-Man or something, you know, like that in a world where everyone just says that everything's become boiled down and people just want their like mindless Marvel MCU kind of garbage. Um, it's, it's nice to see that the, Gamers have become, you know, they're savvy enough that they can spot a good game when they see one that's not necessarily tied to, oh, it's another Zelda game. Of course we care. Or, oh, it's another, you know, Spider-Man. Of course, it's the best game of the year. So that that also just kind of gives me some comfort and, and solace there. And I think uh, to their credit, you know, like at least Nintendo and that creative team over there was smart enough to know that they couldn't just re-release Breath of the Wild. Tears of the Kingdom is a superior game um, in a lot of ways. But the truth is, uh, I am kind of a simple-minded old man when it comes to gaming now, and they overcomplicated it for me. And it's not oh, even really? like the craziest like crafting RPG system or anything like that. I was just like, ooh, this is not what I want to play from Zelda. So I picked it up, your release day, I played it for about 10 hours, and it is actually set on my shelf the rest of the year just for that reason. I know I will revisit it because I generally have that kind of arc with these big open world games where I try it out, I get overwhelmed, I get scared, I call my mom, she doesn't pick up, I go to McDonald's, <laughs> I try to feel better, I get sick. Anyways, Tears of the Kingdom, I will return to you, uh, but you kind of scared me a little bit. I just, yeah. I wasn't ready for your complexities just yet. Hmm. That's, uh, yeah, it's crazy to hear because I, I know that's the thing people really love about it is just how it takes everything Breath of the Wild does and opens it up 7,000 times further with so many creative ways to approach everything in the game. So anyway, this isn't a Zelda podcast. Let's not, let's not talk about Nintendo. Okay. This is an Xbox podcast where we're talking about, uh, Xbox games just because conveniently I didn't really play anything outside of Xbox. So I'm going to real quick go over some of my honorable mentions. Um, I actually love your idea of talking about some games that you, you either didn't buy or bought, but haven't even really touched yet. Um, because I, because I actually have a couple of games like that that uh, have just like been living at the forefront of my brain for the past few weeks Um, and not to get too into those, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get into this game at some point, but Mario wonder is definitely at the top of that list for me where it's like every day. It's uh, usually, I always say I play one Nintendo switch game a year and this year I didn't play any Nintendo switch game because it was supposed to be Mario wonder and I just didn't pick it up. So that is gnawing at me because I know I'm going to love that game. I believe everyone when they say it's like the hottest thing, out there if you like mario i just uh i just have haven't gotten around to it yet so that that's for sure one and the other big one for me is um is atlas fallen which is developed by deck 13 the guys that make the surge games 
published by Focus uh, Focus Entertainment. That game just looks like the most comforting Jesse double A uh, kind of action RPG style game. And I really I really want to play that game and be able to just get lost in it for a week, forget about its uh, com- entirely forgettable story and then just really enjoy some some solid Xbox 360 era um, action RPG combat. So those those two games definitely came to mind. Um, did you have any honorable mentions for games that like you actually did play, but they just didn't quite crack your top five? Um, I played the redacted game this year and I had a, uh, I had a decent enough time with it. I enjoyed my time with it. I do understand why it didn't, uh, make it into the, uh, game of the year conversations. Cause frankly, I think there was much better competition because what we got with Hogwarts legacy is a perfectly serviceable and pretty fun game, uh, to play, but it did reach a lot of repetitive, uh, stages. And I, I don't think it's a big conspiracy that it was shut out um, <laughs> at the game awards I, i've kind of seen that narrative tossed around a lot lately um I, I enjoyed my time with it though and i did actually complete that one um so i had fun with that and i did play a handful of other little indie games that i've been uh waiting to to get my mitts on but nothing really major this year uh mm-hmm. that i felt was really worth mentioning i really want to uh dive into my top five because i think that's where the meat is okay I'll be honest. I really couldn't for the first couple sentences there. I couldn't tell if you were talking about Hogwarts legacy or Starfield, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll start out with, uh, with our top five. Let me see. I lost my place. I did want to also just give a quick shout out to, um, uh, t- two games actually real quick. Um, hi-fi rush and Batman Arkham Asylum because hi-fi rush, obviously a pretty notable Xbox exclusive came out of nowhere early in 2023. I love this game, everything about its aesthetic and its sound and the fact that it's like, you know, music based and it's like it's got like that rock and roll thing going on. It's it's right up my alley. It's got a little bit of jet grind radio and it's got a little bit of sunset overdrive and it's got a lot of stuff I really love about this game. And I was so high on this game um, at the beginning of it and at the end of it. But if I'm being completely honest, even though I I really enjoyed my time with Hi-Fi Rush, I uh it just was a game that didn't stick in my brain too, too long after I'd finished it. And there were times kind of in the middle where I was like, eh, this game could be like a, like a five or six hour game. And I would like it a little more than like it being an eight or 10 hour game. Um, but of course, gotta give a shout out to hi-fi rush because it, I guess ended up in a way being the most uh, critically beloved thing Xbox had this year. And then I also just want to give a little shout out to Arkham Asylum because I'm playing through that game right now for the first time. Um, this game has been in my backlog since 2009 and I just want to say I absolutely adore this game, but I it, I would be so out of line putting it in my top five because uh, I haven't finished it. I'm still about two or three hours to go before I roll credits. But shout out to Batman Arkham Asylum. I understand why people love this game the way they do. It absolutely kicks ass. So, all right, with that out of the way, uh, unless you have to, something you'd like to say about Hi-Fi Rush or, or Batman, um, I think you can take it away with your uh, your number five pick for game of the year or favorite game played. Yes, let's do it, because you said something earlier, I think it was in reference to Baldur's Gate, that I think 
uh, segued a really fun way into this. I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there. It's a uh, RoboCop Rogue City. And so let me explain. Yeah. The big surprise of this for me was for a lot of people that this double A developer can kind of come out of nowhere and make a product that people tend to really latch onto and enjoy. And something you and I have talked about a lot, you've brought up on Xbox on right here quite a few times is you just miss the really fun licensed video game days, but you're also not nostalgic enough to uh, have a false memory where you remember most of those games being better than they actually were. We kind of knew they were crap, but you know, it was the games that your grandma got you or your mom bought you on a trip <laughs> and you were just grateful yeah. to have it. And that's not to say there were never any good licensed games, but you know, it, it was a tough era and we've been up and down with licenses where like everything now if they're going to do a, a property that people love, whether it's Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or whatever, it's got to be like this absolute showstopper. It's got to be this huge, almost like a vent piece. And that's where RoboCop Rogue City came in. I like RoboCop, uh, borderline, like really like RoboCop. It's an 80s staple. I still think it's a, it's a perfect action slash social commentary movie. But, you know, I'm not like a diehard robocop guy i don't have a giant robocop tattoo as of now um on my body anywhere but i just enjoyed the heck out of this and as someone who's not super into first person shooters this was just such a nice change of pace it's small scale enough but also large enough where it doesn't feel like shovelware or just like any other indie game that can be dropped. Um, it was approached with such love and respect for the franchise, for getting the, um, you know, the elements of like getting the original voice actors back and just really focusing on that interpretation of Detroit. And then it's also just a pretty fun game to play. Um, there's enough of a light RPG structure to keep things interesting and how you approach missions. And all of it just came together to make a really pleasant experience and if you would have talked to me in the beginning of this year, I would have been like, oh, I don't really know, you know, I, is is that going to end up in my top five? But I think it deserves to be here just because it feels a very, it fills a very particular niche for me that hasn't, you know, been touched in quite some time. And I think a lot of people kind of feel that way. I know Dunkey did a video on this video game and kind of like one of his compilation videos and then just the conversation around it. People have been discovering it and are continuing to do so. And um, yeah, just genuinely having a lot of fun with RoboCop Rogue City. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad this one made <clears throat> or resonated with you enough to make it on the list. Um, I, I always think of you when I when I make that argument, too, because I feel like I feel like you you of all people would get that being especially like a big a big horror guy and stuff, because like, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you know, this genre better than I do, but a lot of what people love so much about real like classic horror is is or or i guess uh, maybe not all of it but a lot of like the best horror is usually so appreciated because of it being kind of budgety and campy and it's it's like it's got like that kind of like um art project kind of passion behind it and it, it you know it doesn't have the shine and the glean of something triple a or something that's hyper polished but it uh but you know it's like the the fun that was had creating the project shines through in the finished product so much that it 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 translates so well to the player and you really understand it and i feel like that is that is at the heart of what i'm always saying about like i miss the licensed double a kind of it's not great but it's a lot of fun kind of kind of game 
And um, I feel like Robocop, is, you know, not that I've played it, but it is probably a good example of that where it's like you really feel the passion and excitement behind the product, even if it isn't, you know, uh, I, I get, I don't know, Cyberpunk 2077 quality game, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I just, it takes me back to the glory days of playing. You know, it's almost like playing a game from two generations ago, but it's just a lot prettier. You know, it's got that nice, I think the Unreal Engine, is it five? Um, so like everything looks great. It just doesn't look triple A great, but it plays, it plays how you remember those great Xbox 360 experiences, yeah. if that makes any sense. And uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't approach the game hoping for that i was just like oh cool a robocop game i love the 80s just like you know you make fun of everybody on the show for i'm like oh yeah i want to check this out and see see how good it is and then just that everybody kind of came to the same conclusion where they're like hey you know this isn't going to shatter anything but if you like this world and you want to be in it um this is a good way to do it. And yeah, I've just, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it's here and I'm glad that it exists. And it was just a fun time this year. And for what it's worth, I like, I like the 80s too, but I also like <laughs> making fun of the never ending uh, 80s nostalgia. But uh, I'm, no, I'm glad that game really did it for you. And uh, it's kind of a fitting, it's kind of a fitting way to start us off as a whole because um, a reoccurring theme with my list this year. And, and I just got to say, Compared to the last two years I've done this on the podcast, I, I definitively 2023 is by far my most pathetic, laughable list of games in terms of like showing this list to someone else and expecting them to be like, oh, yeah, that's a good list of five great games, um, because I, a lot of that, like that, like comfort food, double A kind of stuff shows up on my list repeatedly, starting with my number five as well. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it. Um, I, I, I went with uh, Homefront, the revolution. And just like I was probably the only person in the world to be stupid enough to uh, support Crossfire X last year. I'm probably also the only person in the world stupid enough uh, to say Homefront, the revolution, a game that totally bombed and, uh, and was written off for it being a broken mess at launch in 2016. Uh, is, is one of my favorite games I enjoyed playing in 2023, all these years later. Um, but no, I, I really liked Homefront The Revolution. This was um, this is technically the first solo outing by Dan Buster um, and uh, published by Deep, Deep Silver, right? Um, this game is textbook Eurojank. It is, hey, what if we took Homefront, which was an Xbox 360 era game, kind of in the vein of like a Call of Duty, and uh, we made a really cool sequel to it with an amazing premise, but the game was like super underbaked and kind of haphazardly thrown together. And uh, there was really just no true vision behind it. It's just, just kind of like a, like a far cry clone. And uh, people really hated this game when it came out, mostly because it was genuinely broken. It was unplayable in a lot of ways. Um, but over the years um, they have, they well the two or three years following the game's release, they consistently patched it and, uh, and worked on it to get to a place where it is, just a standard janky European game. And uh, so it's it's still a little rough around the edges, but it's totally playable. I mean, you're not going to have like a game breaking bug or like you're not going to load up your save one day and just find that you're like stuck in a wall or something like that. So it's 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 playable. It's just not um, it lacks 
all a, any amount of polish you would expect. But I, I enjoyed this game a lot just because um, I really love the Far Cry formula. And sometimes I love the Far Cry formula in non Far Cry games more than I like it in Far Cry games. I, I, I tend after Far Cry three and four, which are my favorite entries in the series. I find that like I'll still play a Far Cry game. I'll still have a good time. But I just um, I, I don't know why I'm always expecting Far Cry to push the needle further, where when I see that formula appear in some other game or inspiration from that game appear in something else, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I like that. I like that's comforting. It's like I don't know, it's like playing a Call of Duty clone or something. It's just fun, you know, so Homefront the Revolution, for whatever reason, did it for me. I really love this. Um, it's I think its premise is really cool. This like uh, North Korea. Well, let's see. It was originally supposed to be China, but they changed it to North Korea to make it. Uh, more more you know less controversial but the the premise is basically that north korea won a war with the west and uh invaded the u.s and so like you're in you're in a north korean occupied philadelphia and it's like 20 30 something and you're basically a grassroots you know resistance team trying to trying to make moves in in your town to uh to win back the city and, and start a revolution um and i just i think that that premise is super cool of like uh like a occupied us and trying to like win your win your uh win your country back it's just a fun like kind of twist on the whole repeated like i don't know world war ii shooters of the past we've seen where it's like oh we gotta fight Nazi 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 forces and we gotta you know blah 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 blah, and all the world war ii shit that we've played for decades and decades and having this like kind of near future alt future stuff to me is a lot more tantalizing and fun because you can play around with the history and make it what you want and i just find that a lot more fun so Cool setting, fun weapons with mild customization. The guns are really fun to shoot with. Uh, you get this random dirt bike that you can just find anywhere on the map and just ride it around between the three or four sections of the map that kind of make it a semi-open world. Um, and uh, yeah, some 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 creative choices with uh, especially the ending towards the end of the game. It gets pretty interesting, but through and through, it is uh, it's paint by numbers. It's it's not particularly. Uh, inspiring, but I just had a really fun time putting on my podcasts on, you know, over the course of a couple of Saturdays and Sundays, listening to, to my shows, playing through this game and uh, just going back and seeing what all the fuss was about this game that people were kind of optimistic about because the first home front was a pretty good game. And then the second one came out and was an absolute dumpster fire. So I'm glad I went back and enjoyed it. Um, it's not particularly great. I don't necessarily recommend it, but I had a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, I mean, really, I'm glad to hear somebody talk about this game because this is something that's definitely been forgotten to the passage of time. <laughs> um, I, You know, the only things I remembered about this, there were two things. I remember that this game, you could play Time Splitters 2 in it. Um, and then there was, I remember the big like THQ fallout and this was involved and I think they paid something like $500,000 for the home front brand so they could move it forward. And then the company that bought it went bankrupt. So it ended up with deep silver. So it's just like a whole mess. I have literally never heard anybody actually talk about the game itself, <laughs> except for maybe, oh God, eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, I mean, for good reason, it was panned at launch because the game was released completely broken and that's unacceptable. But, you know, if you're like me and you picked it up on sale for eight bucks and waited eight years, then, you know, it, if you're if you're very into this kind of game, it's not the worst thing you could do with 20 hours of your life, I guess. That's the ringing endorsement that deserves <laughs> to be a top go, five video game go, of the year. Go, well, well, that's why I'm but that's why I'm really particular in saying this is top five 
favorite games we played, just the games you had the most fun playing, because that is what you're going to find with any other website, YouTube page, podcast. And there's not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, people might want to actually know what you thought the top five best games were, you know, by your by your metrics of you know your ob- quote unquote objective metrics of, of quality. But um, I just you know, I just want to celebrate games that reminded me of why I like playing games. And sometimes it's something amazing like Alan Wake 2. And sometimes it's something really janky and stupid like Homefront the Revolution. So I like have, being able to highlight, you know, everything from uh, from one to the other. All right. Good stuff. I justify yeah. myself now. You guys can't be mean to me in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You will, anyways. Yeah, Hunter, get us away. Please go on to your number four. <laughs> well, all of my releases are from this year, if that helps to kind of balance things out a little bit. Okay. But um, so my upcoming, or my upcoming, like I'm making a big release here. Um, my next game is a little bit of a sentimental one, and I'll explain why. So um, towards the end of this year, um, August, you know, I actually had a big injury. I completely snapped my wrist on a random day in the middle of August. And this really bummed me out because something I was looking forward to playing just released. It was installed on my it was one of those things like I set it up to install on my Xbox. It hit Game Pass Day 1 and I'm like, hell yeah, I can't wait to play this thing. And I went to bed, I woke up the next morning, and that morning is where I had my incident. Broken hand, can't play video games, terrible turn of events. And that video game was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is the asymmetrical uh, horror game that was uh, published by Gun Interactive. They did the Friday the 13th video game, which I was a big fan of. And obviously, you know, last year, Evil Dead showed up on my list. This year, it's this one. I love the classic horror franchises, and I like these video games that are coming out. You know, I understand multiplayer might not be the choice for everybody, but I've kind of enjoyed the the uh, victims and the uh, victims and the the hunter aspect of it anyways so how is this on my list if i didn't really get a chance to play this well thankfully this is where my girlfriend comes in because she is a huge texas chainsaw massacre fan it is one of her favorite movies of all time the original 1974 one she loves leatherface she thinks he's adorable it's weird but that probably explains our relationship so with a little bit of coaxing and a little bit of uh you know just kind of pushing her and being like look i'm fucked up i can't play this game you're gonna have to do it and i'm gonna coach you so like a like a rocky balboa situation I set up on the couch with my with my cast and my sling, and I helped uh, my girlfriend navigate her way through this game for the first time. And now, uh, probably right this very minute, I can't hear her due to the headphones, but she's probably in the living room right now playing it. And this went from someone who has never played an online multiplayer game in her life. Um, she is now one of the like best survivors in you know her region. Um, she consistently makes it out, and she loves playing this game. This is her stress relief. She likes to turn it on, just like a lot of people like playing uh, Call of Duty or, or Fortnite or whatever. At the end of the day, for her, it's this thing that I know I'm good at it. I can turn it on. I can kind of veg out for a little bit and enjoy playing this game. And she's probably played. It, it was my number one game on the Xbox like year review because of her. And ever since August, I think she's put like a hundred. 
150 hours into this thing and she's just enjoyed it and loved it and i've enjoyed watching her play and uh frankly just seeing her enjoyment from it um and that's a big part of why it's on the list is yes i have gone back and i've played the game and i've had a good enough time with it but having this experience with someone who I obviously care about very much and watching her have the time of her life playing in one of her favorite universes, franchises, whatever you want to call with it. It was just a very special thing. And the fact that we got to enjoy it all the way throughout Halloween season, um, it was a special bonding experience for us. So it was a terrible circumstance that got us there in the first place. But if I wouldn't have had that incident, she would have never have given this thing a try. And I've gotten so much satisfaction out of just enjoying watching her. And so, yeah, sentimental, like I said, but I had to put it on here because it really was one of the highlights of my year is her learning and mastering this game. This is gold. Keep it up. <laughs> we're probably getting some sympathy on this podcast keep it up that's actually that's actually a really sweet story i love that um so the, so do you guys have the problem now though where you have to fight for the xbox though H- have you created a problem <laughs> no nothing like that because it's actually kind of right now it's a little bit of an issue because of red dead redemption 2 um yeah. where it's like oh well i can't play that on my switch i don't know but you know it's been one of those things where it's like okay i don't mind playing on the switch i'll play something else um i'm a big pinball nut so i <laughs> i usually pop in pinball fx3 or whatever and just enjoy it while she's playing or you know most of the time i'm just watching but um yeah so you know what i give her her time with the xbox i get my time it all works out it's like sharing with your uh with your little brother all over again that's right 100 (laughs) percent. that's awesome man that's funny because jolina also randomly decided to get in the video well you have a good reason why you have a cute backstory but jolina randomly decided to become obsessed with call of duty as of a few months ago and now I feel like half the, it's like I'll come home from work, you know, like do the dishes, like I'm, I'm settled, I'm done with, you know, I'm clean, I'm ready to like relax for a few hours before bed. And then uh, it's like she's playing Call of Duty. I'm like, oh, you're 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 playing the Xbox. It's like, oh, OK, I guess maybe I'll go. Uh, maybe I'll go write that book I've been talking about for 30 years or something <laughs> like, you know, you, yeah, she's she's super into to Call of Duty all of a sudden. And it's it's kind of fun. I thought it would be like a, a couple of weeks long phase, but she's she's better at it than I am at this point. and you know it is one of those things like sometimes it's just enjoying the other person uh checking out this thing that you like or maybe even don't really have an interest in but just seeing somebody who's typically not into video games enjoying a video game so thoroughly this was a big year for my girlfriend just because she normally was not into uh, you know like she played a lot of things as far as like animal crossing and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of casual games and stuff like that but um she was there day one uh for hogwarts legacy like that was her big video game and like the I guess kind of the uh, the encouragement or adrenaline, whatever you want to call it, from playing that big game led mm-hmm. into her playing a bunch of other stuff. Like I know she's about to start uh, Pikmin 4, which she's really looking nice. forward to. So there's a lot of stuff like that where it's just kind of, uh, it's built up to her just enjoying video games in general. And it's something we can bond over. That's awesome. We need we need more we need more female gamers. No, that that is that is pretty freaking cool, um, dude. Just get her get her her own Xbox. That's the solution. And that yeah, they got the the family plan for Game Pass is coming up. Think about it. 
an Xbox in every room, family game pass plan. <laughs> I'll work <laughs> that, on it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Dude, what what is uh GTA six? She's like, step aside, bitch. <laughs> she probably <laughs> uh, uh anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on. Uh, <laughs> uh all right, my number four game. Uh I wish I had a good way to follow that up, but I have another game that I know people are gonna be incredibly underwhelmed to learn that I enjoyed this much, but hey, I, I liked playing it, so let's talk about it. Um yeah, earlier in March I had a weird impulse. I don't know what's been going on with me. I'll try to I'll try to tape this down, but like there's I never gave a shit about anything DC. The only superhero thing I ever cared about growing up as a child was Spider-Man. I don't not even necessarily Marvel at large. It's like just spider-man i always kind of like loathed batman superman i thought they were like really boring and lame but there's just been like some weird thing lately over the past couple years where i've just slowly been like yeah i'm just gonna like sit at home and watch four dc movies i've never seen before back to back to back and like it's been it's been growing and growing over the past few years and and this year it manifested in me uh branching out into dc superhero video games so I had a random impulse um, this past March when I saw it on sale for for dirt cheap to pick up Gotham Knights, uh, which came out last fall and was I, I, I don't know. I don't really know what to say about this game because it did sell actually very well. Like the game was a, a big success commercially and critically. It's not that like people hated it. It's like I, I think a lot of like the YouTubers and the game critics kind of were pretty disappointed by it. But I it, it seems like a lot of casuals or just like batman fans thought that the game was good but not nearly as good as the batman arkham games and that a lot of like the the conversation about oh it's 30 fps and oh one of the developers said that the xbox series s is holding back their ability to develop nicer looking games and things like that like a lot of that stuff kind of like muddied the waters with how people felt about this but just speaking from my experience the the 25 hours i spent playing this game or whatever it was i i liked this game quite a bit um I think its biggest downfall is just that some of the side quest stuff is a little is it's like it has that thing that a lot of open world games have like that, that big pitfall where it's like mandatory side quests and they're not very inspired. I, I don't have a problem with mandatory side quests as long as the design of the side quest is just as good or almost as good as like main quest content. And this game definitely has some side quests that are not of high quality that you do absolutely have to participate in. Um, and it does have, now, especially now that I'm playing Batman Arkham Asylum for the first time, it does have slightly slowed down, like watered down combat compared to the Batman Arkham games. Um, but that being said, I still had an absolute blast playing this game it, again, much like Homefront the Revolution. It was a wonderful game to pop on a podcast, tune out from the world and just play over the course of a few weekends, 20, 30 hours. And um Again, this is another game that has a really cool premise, and this isn't a spoiler alert. This is like the back of the box premise, but it is that um, um, Batman has has been killed. And I guess I, I don't know enough about the Batman universe to know exactly where all these people come from. But like his protégés, his orphan protégés uh, with like Robin and Batgirl and Nightwing and all them um, are left to kind of like, you know, pick up the pieces of his last big um, mystery that he was working on and, and kind of like finish out this this big um um this this big uh uh 
I guess, quest that that runs deeper and deeper as they go on. And it's um, it's a really cool premise. And I think the ending gets a little ridiculous and over the top and, and goofy. And I could see why it's off putting to some people. I thought it was kind of cool and fun for a video game. Um, but I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the game a lot for what it was. I also think Nightwing is a pretty badass looking character. I like his black and blue suit. He's the closest uh, video game character we've ever gotten to Static Shock. And I'm, I'm still fucking waiting for Static Shock because I forgot to mention the only other superhero as a kid I ever liked aside from Spider-Man was Static Shock. But that's because Static Shock is basically just Spider-Man. It's basically the, the DC version of Spider-Man. So anyway, that's that's my little rant on Gotham Knights. It's fun. It's not excellent. Um, it's regularly found on sale. I think it's been on Game Pass before. It's if you've enjoyed Batman games in the past, I don't see why you shouldn't give this game a go, you know, for cheap or 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 for Game Pass money. Um, so, yeah, shout out to shout out to Gotham Knights. It's not as bad as people say it's not amazing, but it is it is good fun. So there's that. This is one of those games that I probably will download and check out at some point just because I have played all the other Arkham Universe games. Um my big kind of wait and see right now is Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. I don't want to get into the discourse around it. I've even written in about it a couple times this yeah. year, but I'm kind of worried about that game for me um, and my personal taste. Um, Arkham Knights seems a little bit closer to what I was looking for. So I'm going to check it out at Arkham some Knights. point, but it is one of those games that I, I say I'm going to check it out, but it could get easily lost just to... I only make it through so many games a year. I'm really not a very active gamer. It's not something that I do every single day, even though I enjoy it. Um, there's just so much other stuff. I, you know, I love movies. I uh, tried to read a couple books this year. I, I love playing uh, instruments and that sort of thing. So it, it's tough and I kind of have to limit my video game options, but if it ever reaches a point where I'm like, Hey, you know what? I kind of want to go check out that Batman game. Uh, even though he's he's fucking dead, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna call up Arkham Knights and check it out. Yeah, I, th I think I call it Gotham Knights by accident. But yes, thank you for correcting Arkham Knights. <laughs> is it Gotham Knights? No, I think it, I think it is Arkham Knights. I, you know what? It doesn't fucking matter because this is on WB as a publisher for allowing their teams to name their games Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knights, Gotham City, Arkham City, Batman City. Like that's that's on you. Dude, it no, like, it's totally called Gotham Knights. I'm the one fucking oh, up. It here. is Gotham Knights. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, yeah. I thought, I, when you said that, I was like, "That sounds right." I think. I think you're right. Nope. <laughs> nope. Right. I messed Whatever. up there. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Do you want to lead us off with your uh, with the number three pick? Yeah, I'm going to keep this one short because I don't know what the crossover is, and I know you're not going to have anything to say about this one. Um, I'm talking about Street Fighter VI. So I do really enjoy my fighting games. I actually own a couple of reproduction fighting game arcade cabinets in my house you know street fighter 2 mortal kombat uh mvc2 that sort of thing i enjoy my fighters i am not really the most technical player but i could be let's say six out of ten people if they <laughs> whenever i hop online and i actually even ranked a couple times during the the early season of street fighter 6 i just really enjoyed this the way that it revitalized the formula and you know street fighter 5 was a uh, playstation exclusive because sony kind of fronted the bill on a lot of that it was nice to be able to play uh, just a modern interpretation revitalization of one of my favorite video game franchises. I think they completely nailed it and the combat and the gameplay just feels 
so good. It feels so fantastic to land those hits on somebody. There's a fun little story mode that I didn't make it extremely deep into because I just could not get over quick match and playing online. And as someone who is kind of gun shy playing online because I know I'm not the best. I played online with this a lot and I always had a really good time. And that's another thing. Um, really what they've done with the uh, online gameplay for a fighter like this. Uh, it plays smoothly and it plays wonderfully. I just really enjoyed my time with Street Fighter 6 this year. And uh, I am going to continue to play this one. This became my casual game of the year when I just want to pick up and play something. Um, and it will continue to be like that probably for the next couple years because, wow, it's good. I completely forgot this game came out this year <laughs> until just right now. Man, that's it's been a busy year. Yeah, yeah it this, definitely has. Yeah, I remember this game did really, really well, like immediately upon release. And then I just <laughs> feel like I never heard about it again. I know like fighting community is one of those communities where it's like it's very big. It's very popular, but like it's very easy to not be pervy to what's going on over there. You know, totally. Yeah. Um, man. Also, what was the other one? Mortal Kombat came out this year also. Mortal Kombat also came out this year. And that yeah. just goes to prove your point. Like the the mainstream, the general public are really excited for this because they are the franchises that people know and they like. And I think a lot of people fighting games remind me of uh, pinball in, in a way like this, where it's like it's a concept that people understand right away how yeah. deep do you want to get into it and how good do you want to be at it or do you just want to pop in and play it casually because you can totally do that as well and i think that um street fighter 6 out of you know i mortal kombat 1 kind of came and went i felt like i didn't hear a lot of discussion about that but street fighter stayed around and i it gave me a lot of pleasure to see it show up on a lot of year-end lists for people that are like hey you know i'm not even super into fighters but i'm glad i gave this a shot because now i'm into it with the modern controls it's easier than ever for me to learn how to play this game and actually get somewhere with it and be somewhat good um so yeah it was just it was a nice surprise this year, and it definitely ended up super high for me just because of how much time I spent with it. Yeah, that's cool, dude. And it's a, it's actually that's another one of those like feel good kind of moments in the year, especially for fans like you who love Street Fighter and are Xbox players predominantly and then kind of got snubbed a little bit last last go around with Street Fighter five. So, yeah, that's 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 great. Xbox needs the support, too. I feel like I feel like the Xbox community is so perfect for these kinds of games and we just don't see enough support for that stuff on the platform. Yeah. And unfortunately street fighter five did not launch in a very good state. It ended up in a much better state, but by then the damage was kind of done. So this was also just a big thing for Capcom. You know, they're, they're coming back in a big way over the last few years. Um, and they nailed the big street fighter revitalization. So I think a lot of us were just happy for one of the old dogs to, to put up a good fight again. Yeah. Yeah, Capcom's having a really strong resurgence right now. Even uh, even the Exo Primal, which is like the only Capcom game I played this year, I I thought was pretty fun. Um, oh wait, I, I actually out of curiosity, did you play that game? You like dinosaurs? I did not play Exo Primal. Okay, <laughs> just curious. Um, all right, let's keep it going just because we are we are going to make this a four hour affair. 
Um, all right, let's stop talking about games that are uh, objectively washed as, as bad games, and we'll talk about my game that's mixed, and then I promise my number two and number one game are, are generally considered pretty good games. Uh, but my number three pick um, is a game I played pretty dang early in the year. This was uh, going into 2023. This was my number one most hyped game. And then well, that was before we found out how good Alan Wake 2 looked. But um, that it's going to go to Atomic Heart, developed by uh, Munfish, uh, the Russian studio Mudfish. And then uh, who published that? Is that also... That's also Deep Silver, isn't it? I forget who I forget who published it. Doesn't matter. Uh, Atomic Heart. It's the immersive sim first person shooter, kind of Bioshock esque game in that alt history Russia um, type setting. Um, and I really thought this game was going to be like an easy game of the year for me when when we were seeing a lot of those trailers as Microsoft was getting behind a lot of the marketing because it was a day one Game Pass get and. When I finally played this game, especially after the first few hours, I became very, very disappointed with it to the point where I almost deleted this game and didn't see it through to the end. And I'm really glad I suffered through the few not so great parts of this game to experience it through the end, because even though kind of in a way like Homefront the Revolution, this game is a product of Eurojank and it definitely ha- is rough around the edges in some places and has obscure difficulty spikes and just some obtuse game design um at its heart i think this game no pun intended i think this game um has a lot to say and i really appreciate that because uh, i i do like to get a little a little like um overly sentimental about about like the the ob- not necessarily obligation but the uh, potential video games have to make a statement and and, and be thought provoking in the way that novels and movies traditionally have been. And I feel like this is a game that does that quite well. And while a lot of consternation was stern about this game, just due to the fact that it's made by a Russian developer right now, right now we're supposed to, I guess, just be mean to Russian people, even if it's not their fault that they're involved in a war, they probably don't want to be involved in Um, at, at, at this game's core. It is not Russian state propaganda. It is not, it is not, meant to make you hate America or become a communist or whatever the hell people may say about it. This game is actually, it tries to be, it tends to be, at least from my perspective, a fair, like kind of, kind of like the mirror looking up like, Hey, you, people say this, this, and this about the Russians, but what about this, this, this about the Americans or the Westerners? And it also isn't afraid to hold itself accountable and be critical of, of the Soviet union and all these things where as it touches on like various parts of Russian history, um, from kind of a post-war era up till this alt future where where Russia is the world's superpower that has created this this robot network that kind of replaces humanity as the as the workforce and and kind of looks into like what would it be like if you know you take a system like capitalism and replace it with an automated workforce and how would that completely turn upside down you know an economy and a nation like the U.S. and it's really really interesting to see the way they kind of play out that story, which is just in my opinion, already in really, really interesting, compelling premise. Um, and while I think the ending of the game is, is really lazy and they kind of just don't address the questions they raise at the end. And they just kind of do a half-hearted um, slap together ending and then try to go back and, and readdress some things with some DLC that I'm not going to bother to play. Um, I really do appreciate just the initial setup 
and kind of the journey um, that this game sets you on. I think narratively, it's really, really interesting. Um, it's a really good example of video games trying to say more than just like, hey, blow someone's head off with a gun. And uh, from a gameplay perspective, I think the game's usually pretty fun. There's a couple of these like quasi open world sections that I think really, really suck ass. Um, but when the game is trying to be knockoff Bioshock and it's a little more linear and it's a little more, you know, corridor shooter and discovery and environmental storytelling and light puzzle solving, I think the game is actually really, really good. And uh, so, yeah, shout out to shout out to Atomic Heart. I really like this game a lot. And um, uh, one last thing I will say, yes, the main character, for some reason, his catchphrase is to say crispy critters. And I guess it's his way of saying like, God damn it or something. He, he says it all the time and it is very annoying to hear. But don't let that deter you. This is this is a pretty good game, dude. Atomic Heart. You were talking about games that you forgot came out this year. That was me <laughs> with Atomic Heart. Yeah, I'm really glad this came through and kind of uh, uh, managed to cinch uh, a big win from you this year. I didn't hear very many people talk about it. And that was kind of surprising because I know this one kind of had um, at least it had a pretty solid excitement behind it. And then it feels like it kind of dropped and went. I don't really know what the uh kind of what the reception was as far as how a lot of people felt about it or what the uh i i don't think it did too well financially right so i guess it kind of came and went but um yeah i'm glad to hear it show up on your list here yeah i think i think game pass was a good bet for these guys because otherwise i don't know that this game would have done quite quite that well um but i think between game pass and probably steam sales i'm sure that a game like this did all right on steam um, I think they'll be fine because, you know, ga games made in that part of the world are are generally done for a small fraction of the budget that like big AAA Western games are made for. You know, we talk about like Remedy turning profits on games like Control and, and Alan Wake and stuff like that, um, despite, you know, being made for despite spelling, selling way worse than a lot of American made games and despite um, being made for, you know, a fraction of the budget. So I'm, I'm sure it worked out OK for them as a first time kind of. Well, I guess it's not independent because they had big publisher dollars behind them. But regardless, I'm, I'm grateful that the game exists. And uh, I, I, I would just encourage people, if you if you like Bioshock like games and you like that, the, these kinds of immersive sim first person games that try to do the economic and social commentary and political commentary that that Bioshock did with its kind of uh, its kind of commentary on like capitalism run amok. And it's it's like Iron Rand kind of. Um, um, a libertarian kind of th thing it does, then I feel like this game might might be up your alley as well, even though it is woefully, <laughs> you know, like a, a big far cry from what from what a game like Bioshock is, of course. Shout out to Bioshock. Play, go In fact, just go play Bioshock. Bioshock's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I want to just go ahead and get this on the record because I looked it up because I was curious and uh, the game actually did much better than I expected. And I think that's more of a sign of just how quick the video game market moves when mm. every other week basically has a new high profile release it's easy for things to get caught up but yeah apparently they made um you know almost 200 million dollars off of this uh the for the revenue for the fiscal year okay um, there were like five million players who checked out this game so it definitely did pretty well um if not very well uh exceeding expectations for sure i just uh yeah i think it is one of those things where 
you kind of forget how fast the video game market moves and it's easy for things to get lost yeah. in the shuffle. Yeah, you you remember the things that stood out to you and <laughs> everything else is like good fucking luck brain. Yeah, but I mean, that's exactly. why we have episodes like this. It's a good way to look, look back, reflect and uh, try to remember the good stuff. Sorry, uh, I should probably keep things going. Number two. So now we get into the really competitive spots. Where we talk about the games that we really, really liked. So I'll be curious to see because I, I actually I have an idea of what one of these two games is going to be for you, but I have no clue what the other one will be. So I'm, I'm excited to learn what is your number two pick. I think this is going to be the surprise. I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way because my number one pretty locked and loaded with a bullet because it wasn't only one of my favorite games of the year. It was one of my favorite experiences of the year, but I also really enjoyed my time with this game. Um, one that I was kind of curious on if it was really going to come together because it had been so long since the prior game. I'm talking about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Mm. Um, Jedi Survivor really surprised me as far as it was the perfect continuation to Fallen Order. I played Fallen Order actually for the first time all the way through uh, the beginning of this year in preparation to play Jedi Survivor. It was one of those games that I downloaded and I just never found time for it like I would get like two hours in and then something would happen or I'd get invested in something else and I would drop it. So I played through Fallen Order and I was like all right great. I am fully prepared to dive into Jedi Survivor, and it just completely smashed my expectations. Um, it was a perfect continuation of uh, really what I was looking for was, you know, the story is is interesting enough. I wanted to see where the story would go, even if they did the dumbass thing where it was like, hey, if you want the full story, you got to buy the tie in novel because, you know, <laughs> you know how these things are And Star Wars is all I know some people are like Disney Star Wars. Star Wars has always been that way with the expanded universe and everything thing like that but you know i was interested in where the story was going but i wanted to see an expansion of the the gameplay mechanics i wanted to see how they would expand the open world how they would expand kind of the the collectability aspect of it just making the experience more personalized and i think the different lightsaber uh styles that you could utilize really contributed to a lot of that and also just the wide spaciousness of the open world after going down or uh, after playing a lot of Elden Ring last year I, I think that's what really pushed me into completing Fallen Order because I was like oh wow after Elden Ring this is a walk in the park by comparison and Jedi Survivor I was actually even able to go up an additional difficulty it was just one of those perfect balances of um, gameplay and difficulty that kept me hooked all the way through and i just really enjoyed my experience with survivor that's awesome i feel like this is the this is the game this year where it it did well but i feel like no one in the media was ever talking about it but people who were playing it were constantly saying hey don't sleep on star wars it's really good it's really really good it was like it came out it got great reviews we moved on immediately but people who played it kept evangelizing just how good this game was that's and it, did you say open world? I, I honestly thought wasn't the first one pretty linear. You try, yeah, you it was pretty. From? So it's actually the first one was linear ish in the same way of like Arkham Knight. Obviously, it was quite a bit larger than that. But it was like, mm -hmm. here's the planet that you can explore. But it will take you from, you know, 
it will guide you where you need to go. And this new right. game is definitely like that, but it's substantially larger to the point where there's even like animal rideables to take you around oh. the open world. So you are still, you know, it's, it's still that kind of environment where it's puzzle exploration and that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's, um, the worlds are, are much, much larger or the planets are much, much larger. Yeah. I feel like, as someone who didn't grow up a Star Wars person and then had a brief window of time where I got like really into Star Wars for a few years and then got super burned for getting into Star Wars uh, with that with that last with that last movie. Um, it, it makes me happy to see that like Star Wars is having like these these successes here and there. It's like people are like, yeah, yeah. Andor is really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, these Star Wars games are really good. It's like, OK, OK. So like the fan base is being fed like they got they got something to look forward to and live for. <laughs> So that's, yeah, that's, and I'm that's really good. looking forward to the game that's coming next year. Uh, I think it's going to be a big one uh, for yeah, me. Uh, and out, it was Outlaw. Oh, going ahead. Outlaw, right? Outlaw. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's I'm looking forward to the eventual sequel to this game. I know we have another four or five years because games take forever to develop now. Um, but hopefully we can just keep the streak going. Uh, man, I want a new battlefront though. I really <laughs> want a new battlefront. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you want like a proper battlefront three or you want something in the vein of the classic battlefront games? I want anything they'll give me, but hopefully taking inspiration from the original series. I mean, I talked about this last year with you. We've talked about it numerous yeah. times whenever, when I've ridden in um, Battlefront 2, the EA one, it did eventually find its footing, but by then it was much too late for most people, and I totally yeah. understand that. Um, I'm just, it still looks great. It's still super fun to play, but it's been seven years, I want to say, since that. So, mm. yeah, I'm hoping at some point we'll revisit the battlefront concept yeah i do want to say as a side note uh outlaws is i for a minute i forgot it i forgot about it but um when we saw that that reveal the gameplay reveal for it earlier this year instant like instant buy for me i'm i'm very optimistic about that game um so that's that's one of those rare star wars things where i'm like okay i'll jump like like the obi-wan show show happened last year whatever it was and I was like, I'm, I'm kind of done with Star Wars, but I'll jump in for this show. Like, I, I, you know, I grew up around the prequel era. Like, this is kind of my Star Wars. I'll, 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 I'll stick around for this one. Um, some, I don't know what it is about Outlaws, but like, even though I'm not necessarily like a diehard Han Solo fan, I do love the idea of like the kind of the Western style of Star Wars, like that flair of it. And so like having like the the GTA kind of lawless, like gunslinger thing like that, that works for me. Like I'm I'm 100 percent there for that game. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let, let me ask you just because I love I love derailing everything back to back to Battlefront. So that's Outlaws back to Battlefront. Who would you give Battlefront to? Like what developer is Kate? Like pandemic doesn't exist anymore. I, I don't trust dice with anything. Who would you give Battlefront to? I'm thinking like a team of maybe like six to eight people in a startup company. Let's make it a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo. Yeah. Um, let's just go real small. No, in case you can't tell, I'm completely <laughs> fucking with you. I have no clue who I would give it to. Like dice was obviously the answer that, uh, you know, we, we all thought was like perfect. And you know what? I think they did develop a game, uh, you know, battlefront two came under a lot of scrutiny for its, uh, monetary gimmicks, not necessarily the gameplay, even though that was part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Dude, I honestly have no clue who would do Battlefront. 
I, I don't want this to happen because I, I'm happy with Gears of War, but honestly, I think the coalition could make a pretty badass Star Wars game. Like a third person action Star Wars game. Yeah, absolutely. I could totally see that. Yeah. Anyway, just bring back pandemic. Just go back in time. Don't shut them down and just keep pandemic alive. Um. Anyway, let's stop being nostalgic. What is uh? Oh, you just did your number two. So now I go. Okay. Um, so I was, uh, my, my number two is going to give away my number one, because if you listen to the show, you know, very much, uh, what two games got me the most excited this year. And, uh, my number two, I thought was going to be my number one for the longest time. Um, but when push came to shove, I had to just sit down and say, not what, not which game spoke to me the most, or like, which game did I have like the most, like, wow, that was a really fulfilling experience with, but which game did I just enjoy playing the most what game did i think about the most while i was supposed to be doing my day job what game did i think about you know what game what game did i um cancel plans with on the you know i'm not going to disney this weekend i'm playing this game you know like what what was the game that did that for me the most this year and that's how i ended up putting my number one and two the way i the way i slotted them so even though my number two i'm about to say is probably the game i appreciate more from like an artistic standpoint it's just not the game that had me itching to come back to the Xbox and play again, and again, and again, the way my number one did. So uh, my number two, that's kind of a bad way to introduce. It's almost like <laughs> letting it down. But my number two pick is um, Alan Wake 2, which um, after after Atomic Heart quickly became my second most anticipated game of the year. Um, and the more and more we saw this game, the more I was like, it's it's fucking perfect. I just just let me play it now. And um Despite the fact that I'm a huge Remedy fan, Remedy is one of my all-time favorite developers. I've never, at the beginning of this year, I had never beaten Alan Wake. I'd given up on the first game a couple times. And so I, I made it a mission to play through uh, Alan Wake and the um, Xbox Live Arcade game, American Nightmare, this year before the sequel came out. I did that. I finally was in the right headspace to enjoy the first game. And, and I saw it through the end. And I really liked Alan Wake 1 a lot. My takeaway was... Um, that's a really great world they developed there. That's a really good game. It's nowhere near as good as Quantum Break, um, in my opinion, but it's a very good game. Played American Nightmare, thought it was really fun the way they, you know, w- what they did with that. Um, but my my take on Alan Wake was like, I wish I played these games sooner. These first two really good. I'm very excited for Alan Wake too because it looks very different. And you know, leading up to it, they're talking about in the marketing hype leading uh, cycle leading up to this game about how it's very like true detective inspired and you, you play as these dual protagonists and it's got some like resident evil kind of flair to it. And the combat's a little, a little more like uh, action horror oriented. And uh, the, the narrative's a little bit more of like a detective mystery style thing and just everything they were showing. And, and, and when they introduced um, saga, the, the new protagonist that you play as um, alternating with her and Alan, um, I was just like, I, I instantly am so sold on this game. Just fucking make it happen. And I played the game the second it came out and it did not disappoint at all. Um, I played through this game in one weekend. I did that thing. I very rarely do where I I pre pre ordered the game, pre downloaded the game, came home from work the day came out, booted it up and didn't put it down until I rolled credits by Sunday afternoon and was like, I'm, I'm not going back to work without having played through this whole game in one weekend. And I enjoyed every second of this game so much. It was, um, a true joy to play, not just because I think it is an improvement over the first game, but because in terms of like it's it's gameplay, um, but also because I think 
narratively this this is one of those games like a god of war 2018 or something like that where um i feel like i am playing a season of some of the best television i've ever seen in my life while i'm you know interacting with a video game and um very few games are able to do that and and generally that's something that people kind of just in their headspace reserve for like the biggest most triple a most highly polished sony exclusive games and i think uh, remedy have proven time and time again and alan wake 2 being no different that they are more than capable of uh, giving some of those AAA Sony games a run for their money when it comes to these super high production, excellent narrative-driven third-person uh, action games. And uh, yeah, Alan Wake 2 is just phenomenal. I could gush on and on and on about it. It's 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 eerie, it's unsettling, but it's not necessarily scary. But there are some good jump scares in it. Um, it's thought-provoking and, it, and it'll like twist your brain and you definitely have to pay really close attention to try and figure out what's going on. Um, but it also really expertly makes you feel smart for understanding the things that's subtly spoon feeding you. And then by the end, by the end of the game, um, you feel like you've pieced together this like masterpiece of a puzzle um, when in reality, it's just really smart storytelling and, and game design that has really kind of led you to, to the answers and to the unraveling of this mystery um, while making you feel like you did it all yourself. And I just think it's so, it's so smart. It's so clever. It's so charming. Um, Sam Lake, I think, is such an absolute genius, um, and and he really flexes his muscles with the, with this game's narrative. And uh, I just think, yeah, if you if you like games like that, if you like those really heavily narrative driven, artful, well crafted games, um, you absolutely need to play Alan Wake, and you need to play the first one as well because they are they are it's it's super integral to the story. You will not be able to. I I can't imagine a world where you will be able to appreciate Alan Wake too without having experienced the first um but it's it's like it's mandatory game like it's a mandatory game to experience in my in my opinion um if you just want to see the best of what this uh, medium can offer so alan wake 2 happily puts you in the number two spot i really don't think i'm ever going to play the original alan wake or its dlc i know people love it i know it's a a game that people hold in really high regard but it's just one of those things that I've come to an understand me and Alan Wake, we've gotten together. We've said <laughs> in the boardroom and I'm like, look, bro, I am just never going to play your original game. I'm real sorry. I just, I don't have time to do this for every, if I went and played the original game or two of every single game that has a sequel that I'm interested in, I just, I don't have that time anymore. Yeah. But I will say this, Alan Wake 2 has went from a game that is completely off my radar because I have never played the original or its DLC to being something that I can guarantee you I will play at some point in the upcoming year. It'll probably be when I, you know, I am always in a Halloween mood, but right now we're, we're starting the, the come down where we're about to all hit the postseasonal depression um, <laughs> where, you know, all the fun stuff is over and we've got to wait an entire year for it to come back. Once I am like really in dire straits and I'm like, Frick, I really miss Halloween right now. That's when I'm going to start up Alan Wake 2, and I know it's going to be a great experience. Now, you might catch my ass slack, and you might catch me on YouTube being like, give me Alan Wake in 10 minutes. So, yeah. like, I somewhat know what's going on. But even then, I think, you know, I, I'm i smart enough to use context clues. I can figure this out. Um so yeah, I am just I am 100% looking forward to checking out this game at some point. Um and uh, a major point to you and how highly you've talked about it. Yeah. 
I'm re- I'm re- actually really excited to see that you you're uh, you're going to give the game a, sh- a shake because I-, I was thinking about while I was playing it this year. I'm like, it's so weird that like you're the Halloween creepy horror like into that stuff guy, and and I'm usually not, but I'm I'm so up Alan Wake's asshole that I'm getting you know I'm, I'm getting writer's block from sniffing that that booty hole all the time. Uh, Alex Alan Wake's an author, uh, and then but you you have no familiarity with it, so I, I kept saying I was like, damn, I I don't want to like be that that asshole that's like hunter you have to play this game because i like it therefore you have to like it too but like i was kind of hoping that you would find your way to alan wake and want to give it a try naturally so that i could hear your um your take on it because i would i would love to see you know what this game means to you and like what you're able to take away from it for sure absolutely and um i kind of needed this because it was one of those things where um i know it's number one on your list so i don't want to besmirch it but redfall after the conversation (laughs) about redfall i was like i don't know like i said i was gonna wait for halloween but i really think they just kind of dropped the ball with uh, keep in mind this is coming from the perspective of somebody who didn't play the game so look i'm a total hypocrite you can shit all over me if you want but normally i charge extra anyways um redfall it was just one of those things like by the time where the game got in a state where i'm like oh yeah maybe i'll check that out i just never went back to it and that's why it's so important to release a finished playable product when your game actually comes out because you'll probably Mm. never pull back in people like me but that worked out in alan wake's favor because redfall had the leg up of not being tied to something that i was familiar with um but alan wake 2 being a just a masterpiece from all accounts um even though i don't have that prior experience i am just looking forward to diving into it and i know i will yeah that's awesome and i'm so i'm so excited to hear what you had to say about it um god although it old gods of asgard i wanted that that whole scene i want to hear what you think about it i just i love all of it also shout to saga i'm a little bit of a saga anderson simp she, I love her. She's my she's my favorite. Um, I like her more than Alan. Alan sometimes is a little bit of a bitch, although I think he's cooler in this game than he was in the first game. So, yeah, I just I'm re- I look forward to that. But um, yeah, definitely. It, that's fine. You're not going to play Alan Wake, whatever you do. You do what you got to do to get to the greatness of Alan Wake, too. But please at least like watch and read in-depth information on the first game because it is uh Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just tiny brained and like to me, this this story is the most like mind numbing thing I've ever experienced. But like it is it will seem very Japanese anime convoluted at first when you're trying to like understand all of the all this stuff, like the world that Alan's built and like what all these different things mean and who all these different people who are very similar to other people and like what all all that means. So like just definitely steep yourself in the, in the lore of, of the universe and everything that the first game has like pretty intimately before you get into the second game. Cause I think it will help you to kind of be able to connect dots a lot sooner um, than you otherwise would be able to. Awesome. Anyway, that's my tip. Um, anyway, so let's move on from Alan Wake Two. If you don't play a game, you're dumb and your parents hate you. And I don't mean to say this cause this is really kind of a fucked up thing to say, but you're probably an orphan. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty fucked up to say. All right, go to hell. <laughs> we know uh, you probably already had a real sad Christmas, but we want to remind you that no one loves you. <laughs> and in fact, I hope two two perfectly capable rich adults come in uh, with their son, and out of all the children they could adopt, they take the fucking mouse. 
over you. <laughs> and they buy him a little red convertible, and he has a fucking blast, and you're set being fucking sad because you got Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, great. We just lost all, all of our orphan audience. <laughs> um. All right, so let's get down to the the you know the big mama jam. What is it, mama jamma? What's that saying? Mama jamma, yeah, yeah. Where did I get that from? Uh, number one, let's let's do it. What is your number one game of 2023? The game that just made you say, you know what? I think I'm gonna continue to uh, to live this year and and, and make it to 2024 <laughs> because this game was so good. Because was I was an orphan and two grown ass <laughs> men on a podcast made me feel real bad after my incredibly rough holiday season. Uh, Jesse, for the uh, seventh year in a row, Titanfall 2, baby, game of the year, game of the universe, game of all time. Titanfall 2 is a first person shooter video game developed by Respawn Entertainment and bang, published bang. by Electronic Arts. It's yeah. a sequel to 2014's Titanfall, and the game was released worldwide seven years ago on That's October right. 28th, 2016. And PlayStation uh, players rem- can't play it. I remember going to get uh, getting Doritos and Mountain Dew so I could redeem my codes so I could get exclusive skins on Titanfall 2. Look, y'all, Titanfall 2 is the fucking bomb. But you know what else was the bomb this year? Super Mario Wonder. Jesse, this is no <laughs> surprise to you. You and I had a conversation um, a couple weeks back where I was just like, hey, man, I really think this is one of the best video games I have ever played. And I know everybody on the entire planet is in agreement of that, including you who hasn't even played the game yet. You just know it's going to be one of those experiences. I can't express the childlike wonder (laughs) that I experienced playing the super Mario game. Like I have not been this captured. Like I felt like a six year old in a 32 year old man's body playing through super mario wonder i blazed through this thing i did all the bonus levels i went back for collectibles and the the central hook the wonder mechanic is so fun and so creative but the game is exactly what i'm looking for in my gameplay experiences which is just something that is instantly you know how to play it and have fun playing with others And it's just got this hook that keeps pulling you back in. It's like an album of perfect songs by a musician that is, you know, 30 plus years in their career. And they know how to write all the most perfect hooks. And all the instruments are are colliding together to make this just magnificent masterpiece. That's how I feel about Super Mario Wonder. It is just an incredibly experience it's an incredible experience that is not only nostalgic but it's full of life and just as somebody who's already a big mario fan it just completely revitalized my love for the franchise uh, as, as a whole like i went to super or i went to super nintendo world uh not long after this or maybe right before i can't remember but i was just like yes i am ready to spend 900 dollars in this theme park land because <laughs> this video game was so good and uh man it was the year of mario i had my feelings about the movie i'm not here to talk about that but you know what <laughs> my god super mario wonder is so good yeah, I, um, I'm definitely a little ashamed of myself that I still haven't played it just because I am such an absolute Mario fanatic when it comes to when it comes to like real Mario games, like classic 2D Mario game or a 3D Mario game. 
Um, but it makes me so happy to see to see you and many many others just speak so highly about it because I was a uh, I was still a pretty big Nintendo fan even during like the the 3DS year, years of like New Super Mario Bros. Two collect the gold collecting coin Boogaloo or whatever and like you know like those kinds of games that they were just kind of coming out at somewhat of a regular clip and they were they were good. Um, I would actually say New Super Mario Bros. U for the Wii U was pretty damn good. Like that's a that's a great game. Um, but none of them were like, you know, it wasn't like Super Mario Bros. 3 or Super Mario World level of like it, it didn't hit that 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 peak of like, wow, this is this is what this game can be at its absolute best. And I feel I feel like Mario really hasn't hit that in a long time. And I know it's kind of controversial to say, but like even in the 3D space, I I like Super Mario um, Odyssey a lot. Not to disparage that game, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I don't think 3D Mario has been as good as uh, um, Galaxy ever was on on the Wii, and I don't think 2D Mario has ever been as good as uh, Super Mario World was on the SNES. So to see that a Mario game has come along and seemingly kind of taken the crown and been like, hey, I, I'm the best 2D Mario game now. Um, by by at least most accounts is is pre- it's it's a pretty big fucking deal right like mario is mario is like the game he's the he's the guy he's the reason why so many people come to gaming and come to love it the way the way so many of us do and and for there to not only be a new high quality you know mario game but one that is it, by most accounts better than pretty much any mario game that's come before it that's um that's a huge reason to be excited and to celebrate. And so I'm happy to see that you loved it. I'm happy to see that everyone's loving it. And uh, one day I'll love it too, I'm sure. There has been a ton of really great Mario games over the years. I really liked Odyssey. Um, obviously, I'm very nostalgic like everybody else on the planet for Super Mario 64. I paid 200 bucks to buy that question block that flips out to be the Super Mario 64 <laughs> levels. Um, <laughs> like, obviously, lots of great Marios, but the one that people always go back to, of course, is Super Mario World. It's just viewed as kind of the masterpiece of video gaming. Like, right. we completely perfected it. It's the perfect gameplay. It's the perfect controls. It's the perfect world building. This is everything that video games are all about. And I genuinely believe, like a lot of people do, that Super Mario uh, Wonder is the equivalent of Super Mario World um, on modern gaming consoles. Like, it is just an immaculate experience, and I don't say that lightly. And, um, yeah, I just, it's it was, from, like, moment one of you dropping into that world, you're like, I am in a special place right now. And <laughs> I know that sounds, like, so silly and so, like, I don't know, up your own ass, like in a fun, like a Disney adult way or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it it's so true. Like it's it was a magical gaming experience. And I, I really think you're going to share a lot of that sentiment when you finally make it around to it. Yeah, cool. I'm I'm very excited. And it's uh, there, there's actually something kind of exciting about like um, n- uh, this gets a little sexual, but like teasing. I'm like teasing myself with it because I know I'm going to love the game. And the more I put I, it off, the more it's like I'm I have that edging the Super Mario <laughs> wonder right oh, now. Every... I got Chris Pratt's poster on my wall. <laughs> uh, but no, like, I've been I... at it for six hours and I don't see any signs of staffing. <laughs> I can't see out of my right eye. <laughs> but like, I it, it, it's exciting to know I have that thing to look forward to, you know? 
That's like when you when you uh, when you don't live in Florida and you book your vacation to Walt Disney World and you're just like, oh, my God, I get this. I, I get to look forward to going to Disney World. It's like I get the video game version of that where I'm like, I get to play Mario Wonder uh, whenever I finally get around. Yeah. To it. Yeah. And if we want to play like with the Disney comparison a little bit, it, Super Mario Wonder for me felt like, you know, I you know, I, I Disney films, a lot of people are kind of up and down. We all have our favorites, the ones that we like the most, the ones that we don't like as much. But we tend to all agree on a lot of those classics. Like everybody loves The Lion King, right? And I know somebody's typing their comment right now. Well, actually, I don't like The Lion <laughs> King. But let's just say everybody loves The Lion King. And Super Mario World is that that Lion King. It's that classic, right? This is right up there alongside it with some of the stronger aspects of the uh, later on Disney second renaissance. Like mm. it's it's up there for sure. Yeah. So Super Mario Wonder, if you don't play it, you're a fucking idiot. Pretty much. Okay. This is a Switch seller for sure. I now I know yeah. everybody owns a Switch. So like that's not really an issue. Like just go borrow your little brothers or your moms if you don't have a switch or whatever. Um, but yes, this would for sure be a console seller. Actually, I'm, I I was about to move on, but I'm actually glad you say because it, it reminded me of something I thought about a while ago about this game, which is this is kind of unusual for Nintendo because Nintendo has a history of just abandoning the fuck out of their platform towards the end of a generation. Like they're like, Oh, it's the last two years of our, of our platform. Let's just That's become an absent year. parent. Next right. year it's happening. Everything's oh, a yeah. remake or a redo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I know next year's supposed is well, aren't we supposed to get the switch replacement next year or is it just announced next year? Supposedly. I actually haven't, I've been hearing about switch two for the last five years. I'll believe yeah. it when I'm actually holding my switch two. Yeah. Um, I feel like people know, started expecting it way too soon. And now we've been expecting it for so long that it's like overdue, you know? Yeah. Well, we were supposed to get that mid console upgrade, but then COVID happened and everything like that. And it just kind of delayed it. Oh, yeah, and I you, love my switch yeah. OLED. It's a great console, but I will be there for switch too. We desperately need something that is not a 2015 tablet that I pay $70 video game or I buy $70 video games for. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there to, to get one, even though I'll probably only play like maybe four or five games on it. I can't but, uh, wait to play Fortnite on my Nintendo Switch too. <laughs> yeah, I really hope they don't keep the Switch name, just just because it's like I don't know. The only time Nintendo tried to keep, well, I guess Super Nintendo kind of. I don't know. I want a fun name. I like fun names. The Nintendo Swatch. Yeah, it didn't work when they tried to keep the Wii's name going. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. As well, as Nintendo's backed themselves into a corner. Really, the next thing has to be the Switch too. Really. Well, no, I, I meant in, in terms of name, not Just in terms in of name, functionality. Yeah. But then yeah. you confuse the grandmas that are like, yeah. well, will these Switch games play on my Nintendo Swatch? I don't know if the <laughs> Nintendo Swatch is compatible with yeah, the they... Switch. Yeah, and then look, Nintendo's even done it even worse than Wii and Wii U. Remember new 3DS? <laughs> yeah. New 2DS XL. No, you idiot. You can play 3DS games on a 2DS, but you can't play DS games on a 2DS, dumb moron. Can, you, can I play Xenoblade on my Nintendo <laughs> 3DS? No, but you can play it on your new Nintendo 3DS. Oh, yeah. And the new Nintendo 2DS, but not the Nintendo 2DS, Grandma, you stupid. Ah, you bitch, it's, Grandma. It's got a little nipple <laughs> stick on it now. You guys are going to love it. 
I love I actually love that nub. That that oh, that I do too. That yeah. nub plus Monster Hunter 4 played so perfect. good. Perfect. I yeah. loved it. That was, that was 2015 new, for me. New uh the new Nintendo 3DS, a perfect uh console in my yeah. opinion. It, it had an incredible video game library. The technology just worked. Yeah. The 3D was incredible. It would give you a headache eventually, but that's just part <laughs> of the format. Um yeah, I uh I camped out new Nintendo 3DS day. But that's neither nice. here nor there. Garrett, uh, I almost called you Gary. Jesse, what is your number 1? <laughs> um yeah my number one so like i said based on my number two it basically gives away my number one so we won't we won't uh, have to do a big hype cycle for it but um starfield is my number one game of 2023 i feel like although i shouldn't have to do a little bit of like preamble and defense of like why starfield um considering for so many people starfield was the game that could have been or you know the game that just didn't quite hit what everyone was looking for um but for me, Starfield was everything I didn't know I wanted. I guess I don't know if maybe this is a tale of like why it's good to keep your expectations in check or, you know, not let hype get to you too much. But Starfield, since it was first announced in I don't remember, let's just say 2016, 17, 18, whatever. Ever since the day they've announced Starfield, I have been so absurdly unamused by its existence and I have not cared one bit I'm like. Wanted to like Fallout, didn't really care for Fallout, never really cared about Elder Scrolls. Why should I care about Starfield? That was kind of my reaction for the longest time. And even when I wanted to like Starfield, the first time they ever showed it off, it looked like that that first teaser trailer was like this uh, retro future thing. I was like, ah, they're doing the freaking Bethesda thing. Of course, it's going to be like the future, like space age future circa like the year 1952 or something like that. I'm like, ah, this isn't for me. I don't care about this. Um, but then the combination of last year forcing myself to play Skyrim for the first time and actually falling in love with that game paired with the the uh, in-depth 30 minute um, gameplay reveal that Bethesda did over this summer um, or earlier this year showing off, you know, kind of what the world of Starfield would be like. Um, my tune changed almost instantly because I was like, oh, this is like this isn't just like one vision of the of, of like this space age future. This is like depending on what planet you go, it's like a totally different thing. So you have like your cyberpunk world. You have like your slick neon future. You have like your Western like space cowboy world. You got your freaking 1950s like retro like Americana space world. Like it's it, depending on what planet you go to, it's a different thing. And you can kind of encompass and embody all these visions of, the, of space and of the future and of all that crap. And so that that really got me. And then seeing the 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 um, the action, you know, the, the the combat in action with like the gunplay and everything. I was like, holy shit, this looks like Bethesda's trying to make destiny. I'm like, oh, OK, like I'm actually kind of into this game. And then I played it and I, when when it finally came out in September and the game kind of made me feel a little stupid forever not being excited about it because the game reminded me, I guess this is just my jaded ass, like not being able to even be open enough to look forward to this in the first place. But when I finally played the game, it reminded me like, hey, I this is like my thing. This is what I love. I love like the kind of semi grounded space sci-fi storytelling. I love the idea of like mankind looking to the stars, aspiring to travel and find out what's beyond there. And, you know, and that, that just that simplistic, um, I don't know, just that, just that simplistic kind of like 
aspirational note being the, the kind of guiding force of what the world of Starfield is built around is like immediately I'm like, that's, that's what I love. That's what I want more of. And um, for the first time, I think in gaming, cause I, I often go on and on about on the show about how I'll take linear storytelling over open world, make your own adventure kind of stuff any day of the week. Um, but this was probably the first game or at least the first one I can think of where I really did get lost in the whole like, no, I can just uh, I can just live out my own space adventure. Like I can just I can just go be spaceman and do whatever I want. I can try to be a good guy. And like, I love that. I made my fucking Buzz Lightyear character and I wait. I went and I joined the space military and I tried to fight along the good side, good guys. And I tried to like you know, do all the things like be be an enlightened guy and like go be scholarly and work with this this faction of people and do all that. I'm like, this is fucking awesome we're discovering we're discovering new planets we're discovering like we're answering the questions that mankind has about what's out there like it's so crazy that this is a game that lets you actually go out there and build that adventure and experience that and it's it's like it's scratching all the itches i've ever had about about just my my general love of of space and and space sci-fi and all that stuff um sci-fi fantasy and all that and uh like i i'm generally really finicky about these things like i love I love like Halo because like to me, Halo is like, even though you're fighting aliens and it's like fucking religious zealot aliens, it there's a lot about the Halo universe that feels grounded to me. You know, it's like the United, all the nations of Earth banded together and became United Colonies and went out to space and then found another life form. And the other life form has this very uh, relatable human like plight where they're very misguided about like this religious fallacy. And, and that's kind of at the at the core of this this uh this this resistance between uh the humans and the covenant in the halo universe and I, I love that because to me it's like that feel obviously the halo universe is so comically fake but like that feels so real and so that's what makes me love stuff about you know stuff like halo and i love like that new buzz Lightyear movie that came out the, last year that everyone hates but it's it's so it's so good because it's like it I don't know, it's like it's like interstellar for for disney fans where it's like talking about time dilation and time travel and trying to make it realistic and tell that human story about like well what if you know we traveled too far and then you go back and the world you knew is no longer there and like you're a man out of time and like i feel like you can have all those kinds of stories like those halo like adventures and those those interstellar like adventures within the world of starfield and you can also experience a main quest line that, frankly, I think is pretty fucking badass. And, you know, without getting into the the narrative too deeply, I just I, I felt like I was very satisfied with this game every time I played it, whether I was dicking around in space, exploring planets, surveying plants for natural resources and plants and things like that, whether I was building my own adventure, whether I was following the main quest line, whether I was trying to romance Andreja, who is a beautiful woman who agreed to be my wife. And I think about her every day. Um, it just Starfield ended up being like the ultimate space uh, fantasy for me. And I uh, I didn't see it coming. I wasn't this game really was only on my radar as far as I do an Xbox podcast. I have to cover the big Xbox game of the year and ended up pleasantly surprising me and becoming a game I absolutely adore and a game that made me a believer of Bethesda. And while in the months since the games come out and I'll try to make this quick in, in the months since the games come out while I've opened up more and more to the ideas of like why this game didn't hit for so many people and what its shortcomings are. And while I actually agree with a lot of it, I think there's a lot of very fair criticism to be levied at this game. It doesn't take away from the fact that the experience I had playing this game was just so special and profound for me that, um, I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. Do I think there's room for improvement with Starfield? Yeah. Do I think 
it, it, it like it could be better if space exploration could be you know a little more open-ended and freeform yeah of course but what they've built here i think is super special and finally bethesda has crafted a world that has that gives me that light bulb moment like i get why people were so into skyrim for 300 hours and for 10 years across 57 re-releases of the same game you know i get why people are always going about on and on about the old fallout games and why fallout 3 is such a masterpiece like starfield is my way of understanding why people feel that way about bethesda games and uh i just think this game is absolutely superb and i, I love it so much i think about it when i'm not playing it and it's it's one of those games where i i put 50 60 hours into it beat the main quest did some other things and said no chance in how I'm deleting this off my hard drive. I will come back to you when there's another lull in my gaming schedule because I will have a lot of things to do in this game for many years to come. So Starfield, you rock. Todd Howard, stop sucking the life out of children. You look like you're 35. <laughs> what a closer. What a, what a way to wrap up some very profound and serious thoughts in there. And then you're like, look. Oh, you're still here? Todd Howard. <laughs> um well i'm I'm sorry yes i'm still here and i listened and enjoyed all of that start so starfield unfortunately also dropped around the time when i had my injury so it was one of those that i did miss this year um starfield is one of those that it does scare me a little bit i know how large these bethesda games are and i haven't actually even read or looked at many opinions of it i know you uh gary a couple of my other friends have all played it and have all enjoyed it in various capacities i do think you're the one that enjoyed it the most out of everybody that i know however it is one i want to check out but i'm a little i'm kind of apprehensive because i know how much there is in this world and i know how many great classic games i also haven't played through yet that are considered essential so i won't make the promise with this one like i did for uh alan wake 2 but i am interested in it and if i can ever find the time i will make it around to it eventually cool yeah no i I totally understand that because uh at the same token, like while I'm ranting and raving about how great Starfield is, I'm also thinking about how I've still never played the Mass Effect trilogy, and I know I'll probably love those games. That Mass Effect is a huge one. You know, yeah. that remake came out, a remaster, whatever, came out several years ago. And mm-hmm. at this point, I played enough of the Mass Effect trilogy where I'm like, that's cool. I'll wait for the reboot. I'm sure the reboot will be just as good, <laughs> um, which is probably not true. But you know what? Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you just got to roll with you, the punches and you can't play everything. Yeah. And that's a big part of what I think people need to realize. It's not always about um, being able to play all of the latest, newest, high profile releases. It's more so just about enjoying what you actually are playing. And right. the fact that you enjoyed Starfield just as much as you did um is more important than whatever everybody else should say should be your game of the year right like you're not going to play Baldur's gate because it's not up your alley and that's okay but you had a great time with an xbox exclusive and it just completely was the highlight of your year and i think that's awesome cool thank you now go play starfield (laughs) okay (laughs) Um, I never even went back for cyberpunk. You think I'm going to oh, pick yeah. you? Oh yeah. yeah. Damn. That's on my list too. But yeah, no, I, th- I that is the important takeaway, man. It's just, it, it really is just about getting comfortable with the idea that you're not going to play it all. You're never going to finish the backlog. 
that's totally okay. Just try to enjoy what you can get to. <laughs> uh, cool. Do you know? Um. So so that's our top five. So, uh, do you know roughly how many games you played this year? You know, I, it's real tough. To I have no <laughs> idea. If we're counting like regular indie titles and stuff, not nearly as much as I should have. Um, yeah, I, I probably I would probably say twenty five titles, uh, okay. all things considered. Okay, but across like all platforms, across all platforms, excluding mobile games, because fuck that shit. Mobile gaming's for for old people. <laughs> I I downloaded and Candy orphans. Crush on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> orphans love Candy Crush. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I downloaded Candy Crush on my uh, on my phone like two days ago uh, because I read this thing that said um, this like study that shows that like Tetris and Match Three Puzzle games and stuff like that are. Um, are really uh, helpful for your brain if you experience trauma and that like they, they say it's actually, I don't, we don't have to, I shouldn't get into this, but I will because it's what we do on this podcast. I read this, this story, this guy said he was on a cruise ship and he witnessed a guy. Um, he, he just like this guy, like was in the hallway and he took off his shirt and his shoes and he started screaming and like everyone thought he was just drunk and they ignored him. And then like these, uh, these employees started chasing after him. And so this guy like wrote this whole Reddit post about how he's like super traumatized. Cause like he thought it was just a drunk guy being stupid. And then he realized, Oh my God, this guy's about to kill himself. And like the guy just started screaming and crying and he ran off the fucking boat. Like he just ran out to the deck and jumped off and, and was screaming and like, they were trying to stop him anyway. And I read that. I was like, that's super fucked up. I wish I didn't read that. And all the comments were like linking to like these scientific studies where they're like, you know, they say that like when the body experiences trauma or, or something like that, you're supposed to play Tetris or like Candy Crush because it um, it like your brain looking at simple puzzles and being forced to connect dots and make it all work instantly helps you deal with with trauma and stress and, and, and make it make sense. And so they say it helps PTSD, PTSD victims. Um, so I was like, that's actually like really cool to know. So I downloaded Candy Crush uh, on my phone. And now because uh, a, a guy sadly took his life on a cruise ship, I now play Candy Crush because I thought I would like to I'd like to play around with that. And that's cool. So this sounds like a narrative being pushed by big mobile gaming corporation. Uh, King, this is King. King entirely has a an entire squad of yeah. sleeper agents out there feeding yeah. Reddit users like you. So you, you have to play puzzles and dragons. <laughs> you know, look, I played that Tetris that came out like three years ago. That's yeah, a just beautiful effect. game. Yeah. yeah, Tetris Effect is awesome. I love it. Um, especially since I got, you know, I upgraded to an OLED TV this year. Oh my God. Tetris mm. effect was like one of the first things I popped on. And even though it was on the switch, like it's Tetris, it doesn't really matter, but I'm right. sure some of the effects are prettier on Xbox. Well, it looks better like, on the 4k series X. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. But Tetris effect. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was, you know, I having a fucking trip playing Tetris effect on an OLED television. Yeah. So if you ever, uh, yeah. So if you ever break your arm again, just go play Tetris and don't even go to the hospital. Just go play Tetris deal with that trauma yeah that's that's actually what i'm gonna do (laughs) you're welcome fuse myself my body and my soul back together fixed health care you're welcome (laughs) thanks jesse wow uh yeah the lady was like writing in she was like yeah i had a complicated surgery where i couldn't be put under for it so the doctor numbed me and made me play tetris while they operate on me i'm like that sounds terrible uh anyway we should probably move on with the podcast and stop talking about uh trauma um all right so yeah that's our that's our 
our list for our top five favorite games. So a lot of you guys wrote in with your top five favorite games. So I just want to pick up uh, like, well, not, I almost said pick out a few, but let's be honest. I always read them all. Um, so let's go through these. I know we're, we're already kind of going long and, and Hunter, let me know if you, uh, if you, if we need to wrap things up, cause I don't want to take too much of your night, but um, you know, uh, I figured we just kind of go in the order we received these comments, see what all you guys had to say and uh, feel free to interject. Let me know if you guys or Hunter, if you have anything you want to comment on or speak to, because um, some of these people, they just have they just have God awful takes um, some truly orphan opinions in these. In these comments. <laughs> all right. Um, for those still listening, Clanky wrote in Clanky, not to be confused with Cronky wrote in. And he said, here are my top five favorite games I played this year in no particular order. Cocoon, Halo Infinite, Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind on the original Xbox, Starfield, and Fallout New Vegas. I take it you like Bethesda games. Um, Jesse, I know you mentioned that you were not a mobile gamer, but I've started to play Game Pass on my phone recently, and the wait times are getting pretty wild. I waited 20 minutes to play a game the other night. Makes me wonder if if, uh, the cloud is um, starting to catch on in some aspects or if people are taking advantage of the service instead of downloading games onto their consoles. Have you heard of similar similar comments from other people taking advantage of cloud services? Uh, so there's your top five favorite games and an unrelated question. Um, dude, I've seen I saw Cocoon like kind of sweep some of those indie awards at the game at the game awards the other week. I did not know about that game's existence until then, but that game does look quite, quite interesting. Um, Hunter, anything stand out to you here? Nothing. I'm just glad that uh, a good friend of the podcast and a close, <laughs> close friend of yours uh, wrote in to to give us some of the highlights of the year. Morrowind is always one of those curiosities yeah. um, that I I will never go back and play. Ne- but yes. I'm so glad that people love it. <laughs> Unless they really do that that rumored ground up remake that they're you know they always say is coming. Um, I will never go back and play that game. Yeah. Uh, Halo's on there. Good luck. Or uh, good to see it. Good to see Halo. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. I I played. I streamed Game Pass on my phone a little bit. Uh, I did it a couple of years ago. I played all of that third Tomb Raider game. What is it? Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I played that all on my uh, my my uh, Razer phone too on my Android, and uh, had an amazing experience with it. Like no problems whatsoever with lag, latency, um, connection time, anything. And then every time I've ever played game pass on my phone via streaming ever again it's been uh not a great experience so i don't know but i have noticed the few times i've tried it that wait times have gone up i used used to wait like 10 to 20 seconds and now i feel like you always wait like three to five minutes um so i don't know my, my maybe more people are using it or maybe xbox is just um not installing more servers to keep up with the increased subscription count although i i, I kind of doubt that so pro- probably is just more people using the service as time has gone on. I don't know. Anything to say on that, Hunter? I have never tried it. I, uh, yeah, I am very much a, I need to be in front of my TV to play gaming. I'm just, and, and thankfully I'm not really on the go that much. So, yeah. The switch is my on the go device. I, I That is one yeah, thing I exactly. miss. Yeah. One thing I miss about living in Atlanta, uh, in Georgia was uh commuting via train and just, have my Nintendo switch with me all the time. I definitely played a lot more uh, mobile gaming, mobile game, portable gaming uh, back in those days. Anyway, West H writes in says, Merry Christmas, Jesse. Thanks for another year. Or thankful for another year. Listening to the podcast. We haven't played online um, much, but I, but believe me, 
Believe it or not, in many ways, this podcast kept me in gaming. Thanks, bro. Now for my awful list. Well, first of all, thank you. I, I appreciate that comment. Um, you said your top five favorite games. Number five, Pokemon Sword. Number four, Hogwarts Legacy. Three, Dead Island 2. Number two, Fortnite, in parentheses, IDK, what the hell is wrong with me? Number one, Diablo 4. I think it's a pretty pretty good list. I feel like those are five games that are pretty damn popular for a reason. You know, there's nothing yeah. wrong with you. Yeah, I mean, it is very surprising that Diablo 4 has not come up in the conversation until now. Yeah, I, I haven't played it. Have you? I have not. It's one of those. I feel so bad because when Diablo 4 dropped, I'm already like very casual into Diablo. Mm-hmm. I've played through three on my Switch um, and I even had it on Xbox One at one point. But um, yeah, Diablo is not one of those games that I just sit and crank out and crank out and crank out. I play it to a certain point and then I end up dropping it. And then Diablo 4, I'm like, oh, that's going to be good. That looks good. Oh, wow. People are really into it. And then um all the news came out about the merger and i'm like it'll be on game pass yeah. soon enough i'll get around to it at some <laughs> that's point ex- that's exactly where i am with it i, I yeah. will 100 percent play it when it's on game pass um but they are they're gonna hold diablo 4 and modern warfare 3 over us the longest amount of time like, they're gonna draw that out as long as they can before they put it on game pass because like those are the last two activision games we'll get Um, oh yeah absolutely and i mean i totally 100 percent understand it but there were some really good deals this holiday season i don't know how many people are listening to xbox on that are new to uh owning a a series console but the fact that you get a series x for 350 with diablo pretty crazy definitely worth the extra 50 bucks if you're eyeing a series s um but cool thanks for writing in good to see some representation from some other games that didn't get touched on diablo dead island pokemon so it's good stuff sam frito writes in one of my favorite commenters because he just has beautiful hair and i just have a i have a creeping suspicion that your cologne collection is is an enviable one merry christmas jesse you can count me in team escalators and stairs I now know how to injure myself on them. I believe death due by improper stair use is primarily an apartment dweller thing. Uh, If you care for and maintain your stairs, uh, speak to them kindly. Never run down them. Keep the light on near the top. You should have plenty of years of safe use. Don't ride the banisters without uh, stuntman credibility. Uh, Hope you're feeling better. Um, Here are my top five games. Number five, Star Ocean 2 Remake. Four, Hogwarts Legacy. Three, Just Cause 4, 2, Starfield, and 1, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So speaking of games that uh, we haven't talked about yet, <laughs> Star Ocean 2, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Just Cause. Um, Hunter, have you been on, in on the, the stair debate? <laughs> I have not been in on the stair debate. I think I've missed this, unfortunately. Yeah. The past couple of weeks, my brother and I have been going back and forth about whether or not um, we like the idea of having stairs in the house or not. And now other people have been jumping in uh, with their take on it. And I'm with Sam Frito. Yeah. Treat your stairs. Well, be good to them. And you should be, you should be fine. Um, Someone came in with the whole fact. They're like, Oh, there's 12,000 annual deaths um, due to stair related injuries. Listen, what is that globally in the U S and like Sam Frito so aptly brings up, you know, I believe that's an apartment dweller thing. What about what about stairs in, in office buildings and hotels? There's stairs in so many places. You can't just go blaming homes for having stairs. You know, that's not killing people left and right. Not <laughs> you got to approach anything with a sense of caution. It's when you get too familiar 
too lackadaisical that accidents happen. And I wasn't yeah. going to bring this up on the podcast, but for those of you who have stayed this long as a little <laughs> treat, because it's kind of relevant, um, I broke my wrist actually in the shower. Um, so how that happened is I was just, you know, normal day, woke up, went to go enjoy that morning shower, and um, I stepped on the bath mat in it and the thing it crumpled up and it kind of collapsed underneath me i slipped and trying to prevent me from colliding my head against the uh tile floor or the back of the tub or whatever i stuck out my hand to catch myself and because of course tile is really just right on top of concrete um pop pop went my hand and that was my incident so um i am a big heavy music fan jesse and i have actually been in a couple of pit situations together and after a thousand mosh pits it's the shower that finally broke me and took something out um so the point of this story is this because yes it's incredibly uh embarrassing to be like hey what's your battle story man how do you break your hand you're like I took a spill in the shower, but look, these things happen all the time. You got to be careful yep. in your bathrooms. Exactly. You got to be careful on anything that you're uh, really comfortable with in your home because man, this stuff happens more often than you think. And it sucks when it comes for you. Yeah, no. Th- and thank you for bringing that up because yeah, by that, by that same logic, it's like, what, what, what do we do now? Just take, take bathtubs, take showers out of, out of homes. Should we just stop taking showers now because it's someone someone tripped on stairs? Stairs don't kill people. People kill people. <laughs> Sh- showers kill people. <laughs> Look, I don't um, know what I'm saying. <laughs> Look, uh, my stairs have a flag that says don't tread on me. And it's gotten weirdly political in my house over the last few months. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your top five games, Sam Frito. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Um, Mike Clark writes in and says, top five games, Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Pikmin 4, Dredge, Hi-Fi Rush, that's my Xbox game of the year, and Metroid Prime Remastered. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of Nintendo you got there. Yeah, that's some good stuff. I really wish, uh, Pikmin 4 is the other Nintendo Switch game I kind of wanted to play this year that I didn't get to. Um, good, good stuff, good stuff. So Zelda's been mentioned a couple times, Hi-Fi Rush, getting some recognition. You got anything to say to this? Did you play Metroid? I want to play Metroid. I actually played through Metroid Dread this year. That was one of the titles, and I really, really loved it. Yeah. That's been sitting in my backlog to go through. I thought it was an exceptional game um, and would probably have broken the top 10. I just didn't want to balk down the episode with not only the games I didn't play, but the games I played, but also really enjoyed, but also the top five games. There was just so much to cover. But Metroid Prime is one of those games that I've been waiting for a remaster to happen. And Nintendo knows what they were doing. Like, yes, it's it's an old game, but they completely rebuilt it, and it was only $40. It was an incredible value in gaming, possibly one of the best ones of the year, and I'm really looking forward to playing that. That's definitely on the short list for next time I'm at the store and just want to buy something new, even though I already have a backlog and I have Game Pass. Um, Metroid Prime Remake is is definitely at the top of that list. Yeah. I, I love Metroid so much and don't play enough of it to justify. Dude, how, Dread how is so. Them. Did you play Dread? Didn't I? You? I got halfway through Dread, loved every second of it, put it down for a little while, never came back. Dude, you got to go back and play Dread. I know I'm gonna. I'm, you you really have to go back and revisit it because yeah. 
you're going to have that temptation with anything, but Dread is 100% worth the experience. And even if you got to play through with a guide, which mm-hmm. I'll admit, like I needed a little oh, bit of help. I, I, I don't care. I'll use a guide. Through. I'll use a guide yeah. on anything Nintendo. Even just That's pull it up Mario. with a guide and and play through it. It won't be an experience you regret. And I could easily see it making into I, at least your honorable mentions next year. Yeah. No, that's uh, that is that is a game I gave up on that I would like to get back to. Goddamn, Metroid's so cool. Samus is such a badass character. Like her, her, com- her art is so cool. Dude, I completely agree. Hallmark. Yeah, <laughs> this is where I'm an old man. Hallmark released a Samus Christmas ornament this oh. year, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can go buy it for ten dollars right now at the time of recording because everything's half off because it's the after Christmas fail, and it is awesome. It's bright orange and green. And it's awesome. Who doesn't love a little bit of Samus in their life? Mm. All right, let's. Uh, we got a couple of these that don't. That are pretty pretty much just lists. So, HDWO wrote in and says, "My top five games of the year." Uh, Alan, or let me read backwards. Number five, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. There you go, Star Wars. Number four, Starfield. Number three, Planet of Lana. Number two, Hogwarts Legacy, and number one, Alan Wake Two. P.S. Congratulations on buying your first house. Such a great feeling. Can't wait for the podcast uh, in 2024. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, or I assume, sir, maybe. I don't, I don't know your situation. I'm sorry to assume, but I do want to just say thank you. Um, Planet of Lana. Again, I'm like, I'm really like looking for these these games that we haven't. Yeah, I don't think I've ever brought up Planet of Lana once on this podcast. So cool. I like I just like seeing people who are playing some things that I'm not familiar with. Uh Hunter, we got some Star Wars representation here. Yeah, Happy shout out to you, my friend. Cool. Uh, thank you for writing, sir. Dead Captain James, the OG commenter, comes in with his uh, top five. He says, here's my list for 2023. Number five, Wild Hearts. Speaking of games that came and went, um, that game does look really good, though. Number four, Hogwarts Legacy. Number three, Wolong Fallen Dynasty. Number two, Control. Hell yeah. And number one, Alan Wake 2. You have not one, but two Remedy games on your top five list, sir. You are a God among men. Thank you for writing in and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your family. Uh, did you play Wild Heart? I did not. You don't you like Monster Hunter? Am I, I mis- like it. I, I'm oh. not a diehard Monster Hunter fan, but anytime a new one comes out, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is great. This is super fun. And then I'll play it for, you know, like a month straight and then I won't go back to it. Hmm. Yeah. Damn monster hunter. Uh, oh, here comes Kronky. All right. Kronky says this was actually really hard to pick five games. 2023 was such a good year for gaming that I could have done a top 10 without blinking. So I am only doing the games that released this year, ignoring other years. My top five games for 2023 honorable mentions Dune Spice Wars technically released this year, but I played dozens of hours of it. Uh, so it's really a 2022 game for me. Oh, oh yeah, it was a PC game at first. Uh, anyway, here's your uh, here's your actual top five: Sherlock Holmes, The Awakened, Age of Wonders four, My Friendly Neighborhood, Starfield, Alan Wake two. Okay, so we have our number one and two flipped there, brother. Yeah, you think you guys think I'm like the fucking hipster trash bag with my with my shitty my shitty number five, four, and three spot? Look at you, My Friendly Neighborhood, Age of Wonders. Get out of here with your fucking Steam Deck, you nerd uh i was born first so i can say that uh tim r wrote in and says my top five games of the year are tmnt shredder's revenge hell yeah that game's great zelda skyward sword hell yeah that's my favorite zelda game uh three tiny tina's wonderland 
two Witcher three and one Warhammer uh, Mechanicus. I thought that game was coming out. I don't need. I only just recently learned about that game. I thought that game was in development. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of something else. I know people love their Warhammer, though. Yeah, Warhammer's got some damn good games. I, I really want to play um, next year Space Marine 2. That game looks really good. September, I think, is when it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Did you play Skyward Sword ever? I did not ever play Skyward Sword. Um, that That's... was one of those when it came out. The conversation, I, I distinctly remember this, um, just the conversation around Skyward Sword and people are like, oh, no, it's the first bad Zelda game that wasn't for the Philips CDI or whatever. <laughs> and I'm glad the narrative has changed around Skyward Sword a lot. And I know they made a quality. Uh, they made a lot of quality of life improvements to that game as well um, for the remake. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's one that I I will never play, truth be told, just because. <laughs> I, I only like I like like half of the Zelda games. I don't like everything. Mm-hmm. And the time has come and passed for me to play Skyward Sword. But I'm glad that it finally gets a proper representation that people will be able to play for, you know, uh, several more years. Yeah. Was that 2022 that that remake came out? Yeah, I want to say that was last year or even the year before. Hmm. Tomorrow, what are you doing here? It's 2023. I'm kidding. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, and then finally, we always save him for last. Headhunting Halo writes in with his top five and says, starting from last to greatest, number five, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Number four, Super Mario RPG. Number three, Super Mario Wonder. Number two, Spider-Man. Number one, Starfield. You almost had no Xbox representation until the very end. You pull it in with the number one spot. Um, that's cool. I love that. You got a little of uh, all the, the big three. You got some Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox love there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a lot of Nintendo love uh, from the audience, which I, I like seeing. It's always good. We're all man children, right? We love Xbox, but we grew up with Nintendo and we can't we can't get over it yet. I love it. Um, yeah, so thank you all for writing in. So I, I went ahead and uh, tallied this up. Um, so Hunter, while you were going through your list, I, I updated it in case, you know, because some of your, uh, additions changed the numbers, but here are the top three, um, most, most beloved, I guess, games, um, from the Xbox on community by tallying up the three most common games that, that appeared in your lists, my list, Hunter's list, adding it all up. So between the comments and both of us hosts, there are 11 people um and so let at the number three spot the third most common game that appeared on people's lists uh actually was a tie between zelda tears of the kingdom and star wars jedi um survivor and with uh two votes for each game two out of 11 people voting for it um those games are tied for our number three spot in the number two spot we have another tie where both alan wake 2 and hogwarts legacy uh, showed up on four out of 11 people's lists. So the number two most uh, most commented game, Hogwarts Legacy and Alan Week 2. And then the number one game that appeared on six out of 11 people's lists, the most, the the, the, the favoritest game of 2023, uh, judging by the Xbox on community, is, uh, of course, Starfield, the um, Xbox's biggest thing they got going on this year. <laughs> <laughs> because Redfall was a fucking dud. Uh, um yeah yeah not surprised to see starfield take the take the crown a little surprised to see so much uh nintendo representation and uh you know star wars there slotting in at number three 
yeah, so that's that's pretty good. What you you got any thoughts about this? You think that's a pretty good top three spots? Top I think spot. that's a good top, top three? three spots. I think top I definitely think that's representative of the audience. Yeah. I'm actually a little surprised we didn't get more people writing in with Spider-Man, to be honest. That was one I was expecting to see a lot more of. And also, just a, a little, I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, and I guess I'm in no position to talk because I didn't put it on my list, but Sonic Superstars? Come on, guys. <laughs> Where are we at? <laughs> Jesse, I went into this really expecting <laughs> Superstars to be on your list, and the fact that it's not, I, uh, I'm i going to be honest. I'm pretty sure you're like a scroll or something. I don't know what's going on here because sonic <laughs> frontiers i know was on your list last oh, yeah. year and i know superstars is very different but um yeah i was surprised by that but how cool is it that sonic got a great game this year mario got a great game this year it's it's a good time to be a retro fan for sure yeah absolutely i'm very uh i'm very overall this year i you know, a lot of people like to do the ooh, Xbox, you know, ooh, they didn't get any, you know, everything they released ended up being kind of a dud or like Hi-Fi Rush was the only good console wars aside, man. I, I feel like whether you have just one of the three major platforms, all the major platforms, whatever, you had so many great games to choose from this year. Um, yeah. As someone who almost exclusively played on Xbox this year, I had no trouble finding excellent games to occupy my free time. Like Sea of Thieves. Sea of yep. Thieves is the greatest exclusive they've ever made. Uh, Julina um, actually loves Sea of Thieves. She plays that game. I, I, that's only slightly a joke. I still think <laughs> Sea of Thieves, like the fact that it, I don't know if this is entirely true numbers wise, but I see more conversation about Sea of Thieves today than I did when it released yeah, in 2018. It, it has a really strong um, community. Apparently that game. And I think it's a perfect really well. gameplay like it, it's a perfect game for people to check out. Like it's not something where you feel like you're behind because you weren't there six years ago. You can hop in at any point and yeah. have a good time playing it. Um, <laughs> seriously, my vote for exclusive would probably go to the gears franchise, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to let you think about what you said. <laughs> gears franchise. <laughs> um, all right, that's enough. That's enough video game talk, you fucking nerds. Okay, do something with your life. Okay, um, Hunter, we're at the two hour and twenty minute mark, and it is uh, it is almost nine o'clock as of the time we're recording this. Um, I don't want to take up your whole night. Do you have some? I, I you know I, I usually put this just in case we run you know for whatever reason we don't run over on time, um, but I put in some stuff about you know some you know, talk a little room for discussion on some some notable movies of the year music theme park stuff do you want to dabble in some of that as like uh some quick closing comment or closing segments or do you um are you done do you, do you gotta tap out no i can definitely um list off a couple of those here do you want to just do i've definitely got music and um movie suggestions if if you're curious in that yeah so well yeah let's let's start with movies i i really wanted to talk i've been kind of looking for excuses to talk movies with you this year because um while it has been a crazy year for video games, it has also been a crazy year for film um, just because this is much like video games. This is the year where all the stuff that got delayed during COVID finally just like pent up and released all at once. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, 2023, especially this, this summer was just an absolute like fucking uh, just wall shat of, of gr great movies. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, uh, you're an AMC, an avid AMC stubs advocate. And, uh, I jumped on twice a week. No yeah. joke. 
Yeah. I jumped on the AMC stubs uh, uh, bandwagon this, this year. And honestly, I really, you know, I always talk about how I don't watch too many movies. I'm not that into movies or all, all that shit. Um, I love the movie theater, like the movie going experience. And this year I really like reconnected with how much I love that. And like, it was just, it was a year where like the stars aligned because I was super fucking poor the whole year because we were saving to buy this house. And I was like, I just, I can't afford to do anything other than like eat rice and, and, and go nowhere. Yeah. So like yeah. this, this $20 a month subscription to AMC stubs, um, watch three movies of the theater a week, you know, uh, yeah. was just such a great way for me to have like a constant stream of fun entertainment while keeping it affordable. And there were so many great movies coming out this year that it was like I was getting so much bang for my buck. And to the, to the point where like I subscribed to Stubbs in April and then I, I was supposed to cancel in August and then kept extending it because I was enjoying it too much. Um, but yeah. I finally I finally canceled my subscription in November and I regret doing so because I really want to see Godzilla minus one. But um, <laughs> but uh, I did yeah. the math and on average with the amount of movies I saw the average ticket cost for me was $4.13 per movie. Mind you, I was seeing most of these in like the uh, premium Dolby theater. So like that's pretty fucking great value here. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So. Yeah, I mean, since you brought it up, Godzilla Minus One is currently riding out in the top spot of movie of the year for me. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, God, I think I'm in good so company bad. with that. I, I was there. I was uh, able to catch it early for like a fan screening event. And I was like, holy shit wow that's a great movie because you know this about me but um i'm a big godzilla fan i enjoy a good kaiju movie i actually have a whole half sleeve dedicated to godzilla and king Ghidorah. um so godzilla is something that means a lot to me but i know godzilla it can be all over the place sometimes yeah. it's real schlock sometimes it's great action sometimes there's actually a, a really great uh movie and message hidden in there and minus one i mean it's really entered the contention for being the best of the entire franchise with a lot of people either comparing it to 54 or even putting it above the original uh goji so like godzilla minus one really came out of nowhere and just stole people's hearts and uh yeah excellent excellent film um it is just a mixture of everything you could love about movie making the hearts there the dramas there the action is there it's it's so thrilling and uh so much fun and also very effectively uh dramatic um and, and i just yeah i i can't recommend enough people to go see godzilla minus one there's a reason it's got the reputation that it has but you yeah. and i did agree on one movie this year that we brought up a couple times and that was uh past lives you and i were both very fond of that one yeah that's that's my number one yeah yeah past lives is um one probably my favorite movie i've seen i i really like every couple of years i remember that i really like kind of like the more like profound like academy award level stuff like that <laughs> like I, yeah. I i really love like this is my favorite thing. this is why i studied literature in colleges because i just love i love stories that kind of they just make like the slice of life kind of stuff that just makes you think about life in a funny way and leaves you kind of like a little discomforted at the end but leaves you like pondering you know the, the whole experience and i feel like past lives does that that's so well where it's like it's a movie where it's like you kind of root for this couple and then things get complicated in a way you can't explain. And then by the end of the movie, you're just left kind of like feeling shitty because it's like a situation that just is what it is and it sucks all around, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. And you just kind of feel unsatisfied, but like, that's how you're supposed to feel. 
And I, mm-hmm. I, I loved that. I love that movie. I love that experience. You and I are some emo sons of bitches and oh, we yeah. have bonded over that more. I mean, you and I, the only reason we have missed a census fail show in the <laughs> Orlando area is because I snapped my fucking hand this year and it <laughs> bums me out. And I think about it all the time because it was an album tour that I was really looking forward to going to. Ugh. The point being <laughs> is you and I are some sentimental people and I yeah. know it's just something that is natural for that that breadth of human emotion to come up where you wonder about you know how could the timeline be different how could things have changed and um what are those misconnections that we've experienced throughout our life is that where we needed to end up or are we of the mindset of you know we we end up where we need to be. Right. It's a complicated story. And yes, I could totally understand if you are not into that type of movie, like this is a quiet contemplative thing, but I think it is something that everybody can relate to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's an excellent, excellent movie. Yeah. I think um, last time I enjoyed a movie of this caliber this way was probably the last like couple movies I can think of were like moonlight lady bird whiplash like it's like that yeah. kind of echelon of movie yeah, yeah, for yeah. me where it's like it just it's just gonna stick with me for a while um but yeah i, I really love past lives um on the complete opposite end of the spectrum uh i you know just like movies that really stood out to me spider-man beyond the spider-verse like it's, it was really fucking good um so that i i don't know that i agree with it as like a number two but like so let, let me actually say uh letterbox i have letterbox i only know this app because of you and as i was watching every movie i saw in the theater this year i would just i have this little private list um and i just like put every movie in there and i'm just kind of organizing them in terms of like how much i remember enjoying myself or enjoy the experience of seeing that movie um and uh so I don't agree with this ranking at all as I look back on it, especially because some of these are from like June and I don't, I feel different now, but I, I put past lives as number one, which I, I still agree with, but I put Spider-Man at uh, number two, just cause I love Spider-Man, man. I'm always going to be hyped for Spider-Man. Um, where, where do you feel on that, on that movie? Oh yeah. I mean, across the spider verse, I think is a complete triumph. Um, I will say controversially, I am still thinking uh, more about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish from last year than Across the Spider-Verse. They're totally different movies and like yeah. the only connection is that they're animated. Um, but that was my favorite movie of last year was uh, Puss in Boots. So Spider-Verse had some strong competition against it. I think it's a very worthy sequel. It's a very good sequel. I am so tired of the, well, you can't really judge it because they released half a movie. You don't say that shit about uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. You don't say that about uh, Empire strikes back like shut the fuck up um but across the spider verse is a triumph and i just can't wait to see how it eventually all comes together yeah yeah uh i just i'll just throw out a couple other things real quick i just want to say suzumi um i forget i forget the fucking director's name uh but the guy that did uh your name and weathering with you suzumi is his latest film that came out this year absolutely beautiful i love that movie so much um it is very much in the in the spirit of his previous works and i i just fucking love that movie uh shortcomings i thought was pretty fun it was um the first like the directorial debut of um what's his name the dad from fresh off the boat um what's the guy's name it's like that super charismatic like handsome korean actor god what's his name Ooh, I... he was in wandavision um damn 
I don't know why I, I know his name. I don't know why it's escaping me. But anyway, I thought that movie was really good. Um, Elemental from Pixar. I'm a big Pixar snob. I think you this are. movie got kind of screwed by Disney. I well, I don't know. I, I know the narrative has become Disney did a poor job marketing it. I don't know if I think that's solely what went wrong here. It's not Pixar's best. You know, it's it's not like Inside Out or, or freaking Monsters, Inc. or anything, but I think this movie is very good. And I it, it's whole like interracial relationship kind of message um, in, a, in a mushy way does kind of hit with me a little bit. And I, and I liked it a lot. So I, I enjoyed Elemental a lot um, in terms of just like dumb action. That was fucking badass Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. That movie was so good. Um, loved that. The Creator by Gareth Edwards. Um, really, really good sci fi film. Um, Holdovers with Paul Giamatti. That movie was awesome. Um, yeah. So I just want to shout out a couple of movies I thought were pretty good. Do you have uh, a couple of movies you'd like to say anything about? Oh, I can just list off some <clears> that <throat> I think more people should check out because if you're not on Letterboxd, maybe this one is not. Uh, on your list but uh bottoms is a blast um it's basically these two girls uh that start a their version of a fight club to impress their crushes in high school um oh. so a little bit of heathers a little bit of super bad it's very funny it's very amusing um very small kind of indie movie but everybody on letterbox went to go see it so you know running with the snobs here but when you get a chance to check it out go check out bottoms um blackberry for the xbox on audience i think is very good <laughs> and very relevant i've been telling you to watch this one forever i don't know if you finally made it around to it but blackberry is a hoot and a half um dungeons and dragons was a big surprise for me this year i had a blast watching that one and once again i am not a huge um, fantasy nerd or anything like that and then finally the most recent one you should definitely go check it out in theaters uh wonka is a ton of fun it's so sentimental it's perfect time to watch it released around the holiday season um and if you love a gun musical like i do uh, wonka is up there i was really expecting for you to say something about fast x wow <laughs> no you're incorrect <laughs> <clears throat> what was the what was the worst or just like one of the worst movies you saw this year? Um, the <clears throat> worst movie I saw this year was actually Flamin' Hot, which was the the Cheetos uh, movie. Hot Cheetos movie. <laughs> oh, for that, real? Yeah, completely <laughs> serious. Um, and the reason is the movie is whatever. It's like, but that's kind of the problem. It's like if you told AI to write a movie and that's the best way to describe it. And the worst part is it's based on a completely fabricated story. Um, the hot Cheetos legend is not true. So yeah, this won't win me any points, but uh, I fucking loved the five nights at Freddy's movie. I thought it was one of the most boring things I saw this year. And then um, we just watched a terrible Christmas movie starring Eddie Murphy called candy cane lane. Which is it was the Amazon one? miserable? Which what was that? Is that the Amazon one he just did? Yes, yes, the one where they were basically like Jumanji Christmas. Let's oh, do okay. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually not a terrible idea, but it's not. It, but it's, it's good a to see mess. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate because I I saw an ad for that. I was like, oh, cool, Eddie Murphy's back. I feel like you never see him anymore. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, there you sure. go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I saw while I was waiting. I don't remember if it was when I saw Ninja Turtles or um, maybe Gran Turismo or something, but. I, uh, I went to the theater a little early that day and I was like, you know what? I'll just do like a double, a double feature. And the only thing that lined up with my showtime was, um, 
to see strays which is that um stupid comedy where dude uh, that did we you watch did not finish it we made it maybe 35 <laughs> minutes in and we turned it off we did not finish it <laughs> it was so dumb <laughs> it had yeah. some of my favorite comedy actors in it and it was so bad um but yeah that movie was absolute garbage and honestly i you know, we don't. Have to, I don't want to be negative about anything else. Actually, I just wanted to rag on that because it was it was particularly stupid. Um, yeah, we didn't finish Strays, which yeah. might make it by comparison. At least we watched all the way through Flame and Hot, even if it was kind of halfway watched. While I was like, yeah, we reached the forty five minute mark, and it was like, <laughs> I got to go back to work, and I went and got my laptop, <laughs> and it played in the background. But yeah, Strays was <laughs> Strays was rough. <laughs> But overall, I think, uh, yeah, it was just a really fun year for movies. Um, I, I just had so much fun just kind of like for the first time, I kind of there's there's still a few movies I didn't see this year that I'd really like to see. But I for the first time in a very long time, I kind of feel on top of, you know, a, a year in cinema in a way. And that's uh, it's it's fun to kind of feel that um, to feel connected to that again. So grateful, grateful for that. Next year's looking uh, not nearly as compelling, but um maybe one day in the future i can get my stubs membership back and we'll we'll do that again um what about music theme park stuff anything you'd like to talk about some notable releases i'll run through these real quick because i think that um yeah i i you know music is always very self-indulgent so it's theme parks but you know it, we're doing a year-end cap so it's fine i'm not going to talk about theme parks this time we got the video game stuff out of the way so if they want to yeah. turn off now they're not missing anything <laughs> um actually one of my favorite records of the year was one that i think your girlfriend actually posted about um uh, not too long ago and that was the uh lafay uh bewitched record um lafay i believe is how it's pronounced yeah, it's Icelandic, so i might be butchering it but she's like this smooth jazz like lounge singer and she's just incredible it became one of my favorite chill out records of the year and i played it so so much on the heavier end of things and i know people are laughing at me because they're like it's not true metal whatever um the sleep token record take me back to eden is so good it's so groovy there's wonderful heavy moments as someone who's been following this band for about eight years now um it has been awesome to see their success really skyrocket and uh yeah i'm really hoping i have a chance to check out sleep token sometime soon someone who's kind of come on my radar over the last couple years and coming from um not really being super familiar or kind of thinking she was overrated um coming back with one of my favorite albums of the year was uh lana del rey with uh did you know that there's a tunnel under ocean boulevard a little bit of yellow card there for you jesse um <laughs> just a awesome record like genuinely a fantastic adult uh sort of contemporary record um jesse one record you definitely need to listen to if you haven't it's hell mode by jeff rosenstock that is some of the finest pop punk slash emo slash rock songwriting i have ever heard just an absolute incredible oh, yeah. album and i really think you would connect with this one immediately and then um my favorite record of the year is one that i don't expect a lot of people to enjoy as much as i did but it's by a guy named stephen wilson jr uh the record's called son of dad and 
he is a country singer songwriter from out of the nashville area if i remember correctly and the whole record is a tribute to his father who had recently passed so it's a record about mm -hmm. grief about growing up about how the the farthest you know you can always try to run away from your roots but there's always going to be that there and how that's not always a bad thing and you take it with the good and the bad um what's cool about him is that he has a lot of like grunge and an alternative uh, music stylings incorporated with his more traditional country instrumentation and it's just genuinely some of the best songwriting i heard this year um so yeah there's five records with hunter from uh from from me to you merry christmas yeah, this is a this is always where you and I differ so much is because we have that like musical foundation in common where we both come from like the warp tour, the emo, the pop punk kind of backgrounds. And then you actually like kind of matured and grew up and like learned uh, a lot more and like explored the the different uh, realms of music and um, have kind of kept up with things as 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 trends have changed, as genres have changed and as music's evolved. And I have just uh, stayed in my little fucking bubble uh, like I'm still on the seventh grade school bus listening to life is not a waiting room by census fail. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't have as much of a variety of music to talk about. Um, but I have my music tastes have, uh, been kind of growing and changing, you know, in my, in my own way, um, over the past few years. And it's been kind of interesting and weird to see because for a long time, I kind of put music on a shelf and was just like, nah, car rides are for podcasts now. Um, but over the past couple of years, I've really fallen in love with like a lot of, um, that like quiet future base type, like chip tune stuff and just a lot of different electronic genres. Um, and so one artist I really love, his name is, I don't know if it's pronounced Nanobi or Nanobi or whatever it is. He's like this Swedish European dude. He's just fucking awesome. He makes all like these little like chip tune songs and stuff, but lately he's been going through, I guess, like a, a nostalgic, kind of kick where all of his new music is like hearkening back to the height of like early 2000s like euro dance euro rave type music and um he's just coming out with some like really amazing stuff that's like feels nostalgic for for a genre i didn't grow up really appreciating or listening to a whole lot but really have come to enjoy a lot so i've really been enjoying him a lot um uh, puppet another artist i like a lot it's just like one dude who kind of started out doing some like electronic kind of like video gamey chippy stuff but he has this weird kind of industrial rock slightly grunge twist to like an otherwise kind of electronic video game kind of like thing and he has this, this kind of like droney kind of grunge style voice vocals that i really appreciate um it's just it's just really good he's got some really fucking good songs that are just earworms and um just this his guitar style is so weird like he'll have like a really fun like kind of industrial um like kind of rock song with like some fun synth over it and then just like this weird guitar riffs that just like bend and like drone on and it, they just kind of sound weird but it's it's fun it's like i just enjoy i just enjoy his flair a lot his music is very distinct i've never heard anything like it um I've been listening to a lot of smooth jazz. That's just kind of my default background music, but it's like very specifically like eighties to early two thousands, like smooth jazz, like artists like Bob James, David Benoit, uh, Joyce cooling, Kim waters, basically any kind of music you might've heard walking around, like the wonders of life pavilion at Epcot in 1992 is like, that's the shit on my playlist right now. I just really love listening to that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's my dream to like, 
sit on an expensive leather couch, drink a cup of coffee and listen to this kind of music. Um, so that's where I'm aspiring to get to in life. Um, and then um, just my, my usual shit. Um, this was a particularly notable year because two of my favorite bands came back in a big way. Yellow Card released music for the first time since 2016 when they hung it up and quote unquote disbanded. Um, so they have a new EP called Childhood Eyes. It is, in my opinion, pretty good. It is. It is. It sounds like in some ways uh, the yellow card that we said goodbye to in 2016 mixed with the yellow card that did um uh that did uh southern air in 2012 which i think is one of their best records ever so it's like there's a there's one part of me that's like oh i'm glad yellow card's back they're still making that music that's like really good but not their best in a little bit of like this oh man that's like southern air yellow card that's 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 some good shit um there's one track in particular off that new ep called um honest from the jump that i think is genuinely one of yellow card's best songs ever and uh like it just it brings tear to my eyes not because it's like such an emotional song but because it's like i didn't ever think i'd get to hear a yellow card song that resonated with me like this ever again and to to have a brand new song from them in 2023 like that just um means the absolute entire world to me so that's a huge deal and then you and i gotta see yellow card yeah, together yeah. this year too that that's too. i got to see him live i've seen yellow card more than any band ever to, which yeah. should be no surprise i've seen them i think that was my 11th time seeing them was this year with you or no that's not that's that's exaggeration i think it was ninth time seeing them but um yeah i mean it's just it i i didn't it didn't hit me until we were there seeing them live like we had we had like terrible seats uh like our experience trying to get like a, like trying to get everything coordinated just right like wasn't the best and then the second they started playing on stage none of that shit mattered it was like oh my god my boys are back and it was one of the best shows I've been to in a long time, despite the fact that on paper or conventionally, it wasn't like the perfect show. You know, it was like not the best venue, not the best seats, all that kind of stuff. But none of that fucking mattered. They started playing music. And I was like, that's my fucking guys right there. Yellow cards back. And it was uh, it was just so great to uh, not only get to see them again, but to experience that with you was, was really fucking cool. So um, that was a that was a great highlight of the year. And then, of course, Blink-182 came back this year. Um, well, I mean, the original lineup of Blink-182 came back. Uh, with a new record and while i think this new record is incredibly overrated i don't think it's even close to their best work i don't even think it's uh i, I think even without tom when they had those um when they had those two records without tom uh, more recently i think even some of that music's a lot better than this record but i do find like blink 182 is kind of like it's like the whole pizza thing you know even bad pizza is good pizza i still enjoy listening to this record even though i only enjoy about half the songs on it um, and I really particularly love that song towards the end of the record. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Other side. It's, it's the ob obligatory Mark Hoppus only song. And it's just so fucking catchy and energetic and it's, it's quick. It's two minutes and 20 seconds. It gets in and out and it will be stuck in your head for the next three months. It's so good. Um, also shout out to that album. Cause it, for some reason got DLC. I don't know what that's about, um, but it's not a deluxe edition of the album. It just randomly got two additional songs a few weeks after it came out, which was weird. Um, but yeah, so that's, um, that's kind of my music this year. Um, good stuff, my man. Yeah. And then that's it. That's, that's it, right? Movies, video games. Do you want to say anything about theme parks? You went to super Nintendo world. We finally got a Tron ride, some Tron representation in theme parks. 
Anything oh, you want man. to say to that, that? That was the beginning of this year, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. This is one of the few years, I will say, in recent memory where it actually felt like I had a full year. Um, like, I, I can think back of fondly of something from each month. And uh, it was a incredibly frustrating year for large chunks of it. Um, I had a debilitating injury, but thankfully it happened during my favorite time of year, so I could distract it with that. You know, I had personal, you know, job hunts and everything like that that were, were tough, but I also had a lot of satisfaction and fun things that came out of this year as well. I feel like I got a full 12 months finally. Um, and, uh, it was just nice to spend it with wonderful people like you and Jolena. Yeah. Well said, man. Yeah, it was a, it was a good year. And I feel like 2023, you know, despite all the, uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to get into it, the, the stuff happening around the world and the economic stuff happening right now, um, if you can put that stuff somehow aside and just be selfish and have tunnel vision, just try to think about your own, your own little bubble in your own world. The first year in a while that's felt like kind of totally normal in a way. I, I, maybe I, maybe I just speak for myself when I say that, but I don't know. It's like even, even last year to some extent still had this air of like, we're moving out of a weird time period and 2023 just kind of felt like nobody really remembered what happened a few years ago. And it just kind of feels like the sequel to 2019 in a way that was kind of nice. It's like we're talking about video games because video games. We're talking about like new movies because new movies. We're, it's not it's not like, oh, well, you know, the production of this due to COVID. It's like that wasn't the conversation every, everywhere. It wasn't like, oh, well, the reason why you can't buy butt plugs in stores is because of the supply chain. Like it was just really nice to have everything just be what it was. So I appreciate 2023 for that, at least. Oh, Hunter's looking for butt plugs on the internet. He didn't know if they were back in stock. No, I'm, you know, I, I got to get on this. It's after Christmas. A lot of stuff's on sale right now. I'm on slick deals, adding it to my alerts. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's it, I guess. So let's uh, let's wrap it up. Shout out, shout out to Tron. We have a Tron roller coaster, uh, and then shout out to all you guys for participating for you know, for listening and just want to say as, as I do every year, I really appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. Um, this is, this it's funny. I, right now there's a, there's a, there's a cruise podcast I listen to all the time because I am weird. And for some reason, my current obsession is Royal Caribbean cruising. Um, but there's this, this podcast I listen to. Um, and right now I'm going back to when the podcast started in 2013 and listening to all his old episodes. And he, it sounds like me when, especially in some of my earlier episodes of Xbox on where he's just like, I don't I don't do this for a job. I have a day job. I just do this because I want to interact with you. But it's like what what sounds like really relatable about it is like his his whole thing is like the thing I'm always talking about where it's like it's not even just like I do an Xbox podcast because I want to have a podcast of my own. It's like I like the back and forth. I like the participation to me. I wouldn't do Xbox on if I didn't know there weren't other people on the other side listening. And to me, it's like it's not just, oh, Google Analytics says my podcast is it's up. 3% this month and last month it was down for, you know, whatever. Like, I don't care about that. I just care about, Hey, I got a comment on YouTube. Someone wrote in, Oh, someone subscribed. Someone said they liked the show. I like that stuff. Knowing that there are real humans on the other end of this. And you guys write in with your, your responses to your top five favorite games and things like that. And we have silly conversations about staircases and whether or not they're deadly. And that's, that's the stuff I'm here for is just to, you know, get with some people who also enjoy Xbox and, and to just be able to like, you know, just have that camaraderie with all of you guys. So I really appreciate 
everyone who who listens to this podcast, whether you've been here from the beginning, you're brand, you, you know, you're brand new. I don't, I don't care. I just, I just appreciate having you here and um, looking forward to more of this. You know, if I if I'm lucky enough to be able to do this all year next year, then I'll consider it another great year. So thank you all so much for being a part of Xbox On and Hunter. Thank you for um, agreeing to do this with me. I appreciate it. Dude, it was always a blast. Hopefully people enjoy our three hour spectacular that we put together here, but it's the end of the year, damn yeah. it. So yes, <laughs> enjoy yeah. it. I'm probably going to play some Creed to, to play us out for the year, you know? Um, <laughs> do you have anything you want to say? Anything you want to get off your chest? Do you want to plug yourself? Do you want to let everyone know how they can find you on threads? <laughs> sure i'll go ahead and plug it i'm not on threads but if you want to keep up with me the best place to do so is i do a lot of this podcasting thing um go check me out on grim grinning hosts jesse's been a guest over there we need to have you back it's been too long um but yes check out grim grinning hosts it started off as a theme park podcast it's now sort of a pop culture podcast. I know it's a little bit after Christmas, but we did an awesome episode, me and my co-host Brad, about five things we wanted from Theme Park Santa this year. So just things that we want to see in the theme parks. If we had a little bit of Christmas magic, what could happen and make it all come to fruition. That was super fun. We have another episode coming out um, where it was our five favorite pop culture moments of the year or just general moments of the year. So if you want to hear two grown men get all sentimental about Grimace's birthday, you know where to find us. Um, I also want to plug, this is incredibly niche. I don't even know if there's somebody who listens to this that might be interested in, but um, we've talked about the horror stuff a lot tonight. I started a new podcast uh, this fall in honor of the Halloween season. It's called Horrors from the Vault. It's a tribute to Tales from the Crypt. Basically, we're watching each episode in chronological order and remembering the talents that put together those episodes because, man, what an incredible horror anthology series and something that um, I'm just really happy with how that show is coming out and it has been a blast if you want to keep up with me personally though the best place to do so is on Instagram and Letterboxd you can find me on both those platforms at discount Vincent Price dude I feel like such a piece of shit friend I had no idea about that new podcast Oh, it's very specific. Um, so if you're not watching <laughs> Tales from the Crypt, the good news is Tales from the Crypt has so many rights issues. You can watch all of it on YouTube mm. in multiple different formats. So some guy even did 4K upscales of the episodes. Um, but yes, if you love horror anthologies, definitely go check out Tales from the Crypt and then join us uh, over at Horrors from the Vault. Cool. Good stuff, man. Well, I know I already said it and I'm just bad at ending things, but thank you so much for being on the show and thank you all so much for listening to Xbox on 2023 and uh, we'll see you next week slash next year. Happy new year, everyone. Hope you had a wonderful holiday and uh, till next time, Hunter, would you like to say it together? Three. Well, wait, I don't know if you know what we say. Do you know what we say? Yeah, we say fuck them orphans. That's exactly what I was going to say. Fuck them orphans. Fuck you orphans. Power your dreams, bitches. Okay. <laughs>